Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Morena Aotearoa. Welcome to Kim and Beeb's Big Breakfast this Wednesday, the 21st of December. Lovely to be with you bright and early this morning in the last few remaining days leading into Christmas. Fun old show uh, planned for you today. We're heading live to Argentina. We've also got a world record holder, brand spanking new world record holder on the show later on and an incredibly impressive golfing feat of endurance. As I mentioned, Kim and Beave here filling in for Izzy and Kempe this week. Beave has rocked on up in a Panthers singlet like the bandwagoner he is. What a morning. Uh, first of all, what a morning. <laughs> what a morning to be alive. Um, Kim, I'll pull you up on a few things there. Um, singlet, yes. Guilty, I have been for a run this morning already. Uh, secondly... Uh, no one needs anyone flexing on them like that on a Wednesday morning at 6.05am, babe. Get out. Secondly, the singlet bandwagon. Don't embarrass yourself, Kim. Um... <laughs> Friends of the run home will know well and truly I've been through thick and thin watching the Penny Panthers since a young fella. I've had the lunch boxes, I've had the uh, corduroy hats that were absolute hit. I've had all the merchandise as a young fella. Went through the pain of the 90 final, the glory of the 91 with Royce Simmons and Brandy. And then the hell for the next 20 years and then now, yeah. Admittedly, if you jumped on the Panthers now, I'd call you a bandwagon jumper because I guess we are the Golden State, we are the Crusaders now, but for the majority of my life, we have been absolute rubbish basket case uh, during the Super League days. We lost all our best players. I cried as a young fellow when Guy walked out the door, Alexander, Fittler, but the list goes on. So don't you dare, don't you dare <laughs> come at me. Um, I thought you would have seen it. It wasn't even so long ago, but uh, I got two of the superheroes of the Penrith Panthers come to Auckland and I got them to sign Curse's jersey. I just held it for her. Um, Brandy and, uh, and Sats, who of course was the hero of the, uh, the 03 final where he ran down a winger, Kim. But I don't want to bore you trying to prove to you that I'm not a bandwagon jumper. Our good friends on the airways here know that I am Penrith Panthers since, well, since the beginning of time, which we've worked out is when you were born. Um, so please, sit down. I've got a conspiracy theory because the thing is you say all of this yes. about, you know, friends of the run home will know, mm. but the run home only began after the Panthers won <laughs> the, uh, the championship, the first so, of the last two. So you reckon I could have come on with anything and, yeah. just said, and just said, hey guys, you know what? Yeah. Were you also a Golden State fan before they drafted Curry? Look, I don't know. I don't know what Golden State is. I've, I'm day one Chicago Bulls. Oh, with, oh yeah, yeah, I've yeah. I'm day them. one Chicago Bulls. So that's <laughs> the other one. You know, your 1990 line ain't gonna work with day one Chicago Bulls. <laughs> I've stayed. I've stayed loyal to my Bulls even through the tough years. Um, yeah, I mean, those real tough years with Jordan. What a time. Yeah. I long for Kukoc to be back playing the best six man in the NBA, maybe yeah. a bit of Longley. And yeah, there was some guy called MJ, you know, but so be it. But yeah. uh, 
Just no, another ordinary basketball battler. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, there's, there's my day one teams. Uh, <laughs> anyone, anything else you want to quiz me on? No, no. Uh, that was yes, good. So it was just quite fun seeing you get so defensive uh, about it. Of course I believe you, Beef. I believe that uh, you're day one Penrith <laughs> Panthers. Can I ask why you decided to go Penrith? Because when we were just getting to the age where, like, when we were growing up, and obviously this is when you were getting born, um, the Winfield Cup was massive. I think you were grown up by then. It was was called the Winfield Cup back then, the NRL, and it was massive on Friday night Channel 2. You had to wait until about midnight to watch the Friday night game, and then you'd always get the Sunday night game at about 8 o'clock when it was played at 4 o'clock in Aussie. But uh, me and my brother would have been sort of 7, and he would have been 10, and he was Canberra Raiders. Now, you want to talk about a bandwagon jumper. Canberra Raiders, at the time, <laughs> had probably five of the greatest players ever with Meninga, Daly, Stewart, Bradley Clyde, Glenn Lazarus and the likes. And they were just winning everything. So he was a Canberra Raiders fan. And they, for a couple of years in a row, played Penrith Panthers in the final. And because me and my brother, you know, very competitive at the time, I just jumped on Penny Panthers, and uh, and I'm a man of loyalty, um, Kim. So I stayed with them even f- through the days where they won the title and then went to an absolute basket case. Uh, Super League happened, and they were, an, as I said, an absolute mess. And at times, I wondered if I should ditch them and come over to the Warriors, um, but I stayed true. And, and look, now we're benefiting from this with the Cleary <laughs> era. You know? Now you're benefiting from not switching to the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to have And, and when you, you see the irony in what I just said, uh, the fact that now we've got the Cleary era. Well, the Cleary era could have been the Warriors. Oh, uh, honestly. But that's a whole other show. That's a whole other show. It's the week before Christmas, the time <laughs> to bring up this sort of heartbreak and pain. Mm, what we lost when that? we lost Ivan. The, the clear era. The yeah. clear era. We, we, what should have been, what could have been. Imagine Mount we, Smart under the clear era. We, we would already be 11 years in to the clear era. Yeah. And obviously, obviously we'd be probably five or so into the Nathan plus Ivan era. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Ivan would have certainly set the platform. Like it just got into a grand final, so that was a nice enough platform, I guess. Um, it and was, then he, I mean, it was fine, right? Like it's acceptable, <laughs> generally yeah. speaking. And then he brings in this trump card, his little protege. That would have been nice. Yeah, would have been a treat. Anyway, great. <laughs> it would have been a treat. Great that they went to your team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but, but because I'd been loyal through the dark days of Panthers, they came to my team, so that's great. Then. Yeah, your team, heavy quotation marks. Uh, jokes, just jokes. Uh, anyway, we had a lot of chat yesterday around what you were getting up to after the show. Lots of uh, daddy daycare going on. Bit of Christmas yes. shopping? How did it go? Yeah. Yeah, after a couple of meetings in the in the city, I had to get back to daddy daycare and Christmas shopping. Now, I'm telling you people, don't take my word for it because today's a new day. But... The fact that com- you have already qualified this worries me. Today is a new day, so do not quote me on this. However, yesterday, the day before today, I must say, pleasant. Shopping was Pleasant. Car park. I got a car park within 15 metres of the Sylvia Park door. Beef, you know those are for 
like expecting no. mothers and stuff, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. I know why. Don't worry. I use I use not expected mothers. There's family car parks. I use those. Don't worry about right. that. Right. So you took but a family car park? No, I did not. Yeah. I just did it I have just, the markings of a no, wheelchair in it? No, but it had because nothing that's but white also lines. not for you. Yes, I realised that. No, it was just a legitimate park, very close to the front door of Sylvia Park. So get in there, and I was like, right, I need this, this, and this. I went bang, bang, bang. I was out of there in twenty minutes. Back on the motorway home. Then I was had to collect the kids. Right, we're off to Pukekohe. We needed to get bang, bang, bang. And Pukekohe is, you know, it's a, for those that haven't been there for some time, it's not just potato fields now. It is a big old, uh, big old centre. Went there. Car parks easy. Yes, yes. Oh, we might even go to a few more shops now, kids, because, you know, this is just so easy. Um, McDonald's for lunch, which was great. Filled the kids up with nuggets, and they filled themselves up in the uh, playground. Um, and then an absolute highlight of the Christmas calendar for any kids or adults living in the Franklin area, which is our part of uh, County's Kim, um, the Glenbrook steam train. Uh, they light it up, and you cruise in towards Waiuku, and then you cruise back out, and they do a whole lot of markets and centres and that around it. Uh, we were going to wait until it gets to dark, because obviously a lit-up train takes more effect when it's a bit darker. Uh, however, at about 5.30, made the judgment call, these kids are losing their you-know-what. <laughs> we need to get to the train because we already had the tickets for tonight. So that was uh, that was quite a cool experience. Um, but then when Livy had a meltdown about um, not having her own can of Sprite um, just before she goes to bed and having to share it with her young brother, um, that was when it was time to load up the car, Kim, and get them home. Given how Livy has you wrapped around her wee pinky finger, I'm yes. surprised she didn't just get her own can of Sprite. She did get her own can of Sprite, and then uh, <laughs> Jack, Jack, the, the brother Jacko wanted to have a wee slurp, so I offered that up to him. She then kicked off, um, and then I just had to... There's a bit of a grass area away from the crowds, so I had her Dunkin' Donut, or not Dunkin' Donuts, Donuts are your Dunkin' Chocolate, I had a plate of them for her. I grabbed her under one arm and just walked, and just walked to the the green grass. Saw a couple of people I know, uh, waved out, said, "How a good's life?" Yes, loving it. Waved um, your child at them. Yes, waved a child at them, and then we sat down. And then the sprite got delivered by Jacko, who was more than happy to share it. Um, and then we sort of got some sort of realm of normality back again. But by that stage, the kids had had a big day and it was time to go. There is never a dull day in the Donald household. Uh, I just absolutely love that for you. Uh, yeah, fair enough. It is, that is true. Um, one thing we did do, which is very topical to the breakfast show with Beeve and Kim and and Joe and Neeps is, um, Alex, just before we decided to go to the uh, trains, decided, hey, let's get them in the spirit a bit. I was like, oh, yes, how do you get your kids in the spirit? Uh, we chucked on Netflix and chucked on a Christmas movie. Now, one that didn't feature in the list and one that I hadn't come across, but I got a little bit engrossed with it for the half an hour that I paid any attention to it, was the Polar Express. Oh, babe. Of course, another train one, of course. So, yeah, magnificent. Magnificent Christmas one. So put that down in your viewing uh, itinerary people over the next few days. Polar Express. Well, funny you should mention that, Beeve, actually, <laughs> uh, because in the office, uh, before you started when I was... And prior to you, you know, coming yes. on board, uh, you know, bright and early, just 
Oh, so standard. not prior to your employment? No, 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 no. Is, sorry, is it prior this morning to me? around uh, kind of 5am, which is about an hour before you started. Sorry, I've uh, been working here for years. I thought you meant prior so to you your were, employment. you were going for your run or something. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have been here. I was day my, one. I was day one is sincere, sorry. Um, carry oh, on. no. Anyway, point is, prior to that, you will never guess the conversation that we had with Nipia. Enter Nipia. It's my it's my favourite Christmas movie too, Beef. Easily. <laughs> easily my favourite Christmas movie. And did you know that Tom Hanks plays six different parts in that movie? Oh, doesn't surprise he, me. One he's of the a wizard. Of our he's a wizard, Beef. He's a wizard. Yeah. One of our actors of our generation. Wizard of the week, arguably. And Nipia's yeah, Tom kicking, Hanks. kicking himself that he did not include it in our NBA draft list yesterday of Christmas movies. So I'm actually really glad that you were able to give it a shout today so that it at least got, you know, a bit of the credit, a bit of the kudos it deserves. Well, now, ironically, I've actually got three uh, Christmas movies I can now name. Home Alone, Die Hard and Polar Express. So, like, I'm I'm flying myself now. Beef, I know you're just winding me up. Love Actually, come on. Oh, yes, Love Actually. With uh, Jennifer Aniston. No. Beautiful. Oh, for goodness sake. Here we go. Oh, anyway, no, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant, isn't it? Yes, it is Hugh Grant. Remember, he does yes. the dance. I reckon you could pull off those moves, actually. He does the little, sure. like, shuffle yeah, please, across the hallway. I don't have many people covered in life, but Hugh Grant surely is one. Surely. Hey, on mm. the shopping front, so this yes. Genuinely shocks me. Just because I've I've long had a no malls in December rule, yes. like yes. that is my number one Christmas rule. I just refuse yeah. to enter them. They stress me out. Too many people. People are quite ragey a lot of the time, yes. which is not very festive spirity. Stocks just, getting down. <laughs> stocks getting down. People are a bit anxious this time of year as well. Like a lot of people, are a bit, like stressed about money because it's an expensive time of year, and so it's just does not fill me with the Christmas spirit. And mm. now you're making me reassess. Yeah, well, I'll go one step further. The absolute mecca where you think would be an absolute disaster was Kmart at Sylvia Park, and what? I was. I was cruising around Silver Park and I go, you know what, I don't need to, but I could do with getting this for this present. You know what, I'm going to risk it. I'm going to risk it. I've had a nice 20 minutes, but now I'm going to go for the jugular. I'm going to enter Kmart. And you Kmart. brace yourself. I brace myself. Kmart, what a dream it was. I even had time. Oh, Because I've gone in there after shows on Friday night to get stuff for a wife or whatever. Never again, I say. No. It's just, just a random Friday night. Anyway, went in there yesterday, and I had time, because usually Kmart, bless them, wonderful shop. However, very tough to find a shop assistant because they're also under the pump. Three of them just standing there waiting to field my question. What um, was your question? Uh, Without giving away a present, in case Alex is No, it's not, it's not giving away a present. Uh, do you sell Christmas stockings? Uh-uh. And did they? Uh, I don't think she'll be listening. Um, no, but Christmas like seat cover hats, like seat cover hats. You know, I don't know how many times I've got to say that for you to look not so puzzled. Seat, seat cover Christmas hats. So they're, they're like a big Christmas hat, but they're big enough to cover your seat on Christmas Day. I've used that as a stocking option. Um, I was going to come in with a good stocking idea, actually, for you for next time you needed some... Um... Do I need to say Christmas <laughs> stocking hat again or Christmas seat cover? Well, you do need to say it again because you keep calling it different things, so no wonder I'm confused. I just A stocking is a stocking and a seat cover yes. is a seat cover. 
I've never seen. I've never seen never Christmas the two covers. shall meet. Uh, <laughs> well, you'll be surprised well, on Christmas yeah. Day <laughs> this year at the Donalds. <laughs> well, we, maybe next year because the kids will be a bit older. Um, mm. But we actually did DIY Christmas stockings at our house. It was quite fun. So you can get these ones that are just like plain Hessian sort of thing. Get some yes. glue. Get some decorations. Whatever. Get some glitter pens. Kids love glitter pens. And you can decorate your own. And then they're personalised, and it's quite nice. I'll, I'll pick it up here, listeners, and I'll say what you're all thinking. Oh, how, no. How has somebody got, A, enough time to do a Christmas shopping before December, and B, to make your own stockings? I mean, I don't know what world you're living in, but it's 2022. People are tied pork in. Okay, some of us do not have three kids. <laughs> <laughs> but also, A... It's easier to do your shopping in November. You've got more time, more time, less stress. It's actually more efficient. And Christmas stockings, like, just do it on a night when you'd otherwise be watching, you know, sitting there and watching telly. Mix up your evenings a bit, Beef. I wish I had time to watch TV, but as I say, some of us don't have time. Kim? You um, literally just spent about 10 minutes talking about Polar Express. What are you talking about? That's a great movie, to be fair, Beef, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I was watching Polar Express between cooking the sausages on the barbie for the kids and the grandparents mm. while preloading them before we went to the trains, which meant I would have thought we didn't need to then go donuts, uh, candy floss, <laughs> and cans <laughs> of Sprite just before bedtime. But uh, hey, who was I? Who was I? I've been wrong before as a father. Who Who are you to deny the kids at Christmas time? That is the question. There'll be a lot more of that to come, I imagine. Hey, you know what you should do with them if you're ever down uh, visiting family in Taranaki? Around the time, Festival of Lights. Oh, fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Highlight. One of the greatest events, and they've really upped their game lately. Like, when I was a kid, it was um, pretty same-same, year in, year out, which was part of the fun. You go and see the giant, the snoring giant, and you have uh, the fluorescent stones under the neon lights so you can walk through and everything's all bright and it's cool. Uh, Now it's very modern. Now it's very Instagrammable, actually. Yeah, they've got a lot of different features now. It's uh, not just the snoring giant anymore. I don't even know if the snoring giant exists. But I do think there is still someone who dresses up as a gorilla and wanders around the trees and things. Uh, Always a highlight of going to the family Christmas in uh, New Plymouth. Uh, For cousins and aunties, never let us go on the boats, though. Never, never let us go on at night time. Oh, always a heartbreak for me. Yeah, that is a bit rough. But and also, you kind of want to go in the daytime because then you can see the eels, and that's part uh, of the fun as yes. well. You want to be able to see the eels, maybe throw some breadcrumbs out to the ducks. Uh, anyway, time now for our can't wait question of the day. Can't wait question of the day. And today's can't wait question of the day, which has been. The best couch assignment of the year, a.k.a. not Polar Express, but the best game or match you have watched this year. I certainly know mine. I'm sure Beef has his as well. We'd love for you to let us know. Text us in on the Temper Bed Post text machine, double eight, double three. You're listening to Kim and Beef's Big Breakfast, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. It's 6.27 here on Kim and Beeb's Big Brekkie. Remember, you can call any time on the Kennards Hire phone line. Kennards Hire is hiring big. Visit kennardshire.co.nz 0800 150 or give us a text on the Temper Bed Post text machine, which a few of you already have, uh, because the question we put to you for our can't wait question of the day earlier, which has been the best couch assignment 
of the year. Goodness gracious, there have been a few of them. Some good ones coming in here. Tour Samoa v England semi-final, Rugby League World Cup. Don't mind that. State of Origin Game 3, couple of league ones in, nice and early. Uh, I would go Ed's is similar to mine, well, the same as mine. Blackfern, <laughs> <laughs> Blackfern's uh, Women's World Cup game, he's gone versus France, just pipped by the final versus England. Uh, that is certainly my number one, the Blackfern's final v England. Not so much a couch assignment as a work assignment, but, you know, when you're getting to witness a wee bit of history, they... Or go into one. Still feels like a great moment. Uh, Brett says, Mammoth week-long couch effort by myself. Caught the vid the day the Com game started. First up, watching Hayden Wilde get hosed by a nipped hometown officiating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of good ones there. And I, once I knew what we were doing here, Kim, as the prepared sports broadcaster I am, um, I wrote down a few. And uh, two of which have made the early list here uh, Ed's one obviously for anyone was I guess watched it there lucky enough uh, the World Cup final with uh, the Black Ferns um, State of Origin 3 I mm. uh, we got an early morning text here from Australia again and uh, for me I was racking my mind and State of Origin 3 considering everything that this Queensland team was supposed to be not and I don't think Munster was there in game 3 the, the talisman uh they still got it done in uh, in pretty special fashion against a, a superstar New South Wales team. So that one jumped out at me. Another one that hasn't been mentioned, and I had, I had to rack my mind thinking All Blacks, All Blacks. What, what, where do we go with All Blacks? I think from a result point of view and season-defining, well, I don't know if season-defining is the right word, but maybe career-defining for a few people sitting in their box. Uh, the Joburg Test match. Yeah, good shout. It was must-watch TV because I think we all knew that one result was absolutely the last nail in the coffin. Um, and, yeah, it was a tremendous performance, the likes of which they probably haven't put in again since, apart from maybe that 70 minutes against the English there. Um, so, yeah, that was from an all-black point of view. And obviously, fresh in the mind, of course, Argentina, France. Mm. Oh, such a good list. I've got a couple more to add to that, actually. But right now, it's time for Aroha with the news. So we'll get to the uh, rest of them. Keep the text coming very shortly. 6.32am here on Kim and Beeves at Big Breakfast. We are talking the best couch assignments of the year. The best game you watched, the best sporting moment you saw and got to just put your feet up, relax, maybe with a wee beverage, Coca-Cola, a Sprite, if you're Beeves' daughter, in hand. Beeve, before you mentioned uh, a couple of good rugby ones, I think it's also easy to forget some of the things that happened earlier in the year because it has been quite a long year, I think, for a lot of people. Yes, it has. And so I will throw into this mix, if you can stretch your mind all the way back to Feb, I think it was, uh, the Winter Olympics. Zoe Sadowski's in it winning New Zealand's yes. first ever gold medal at the Winter Olympics, and Nico Porteous then following it up with a gold in the halfpipe. Yes. That was phenomenal viewing. It was, and correct me if I'm wrong, but did Zoe not have to land something pretty extraordinary to win it all? Uh, something, something, 1080 something. Yes, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. incredible that, yeah, no, yeah, you're absolutely right in the slope style, that final jump. 
Yes. Uh, and it, I don't think it had been had it been landed before. No. I'm not sure it had. No. She pulled off a yeah never before seen jump to win a gold medal. Just uh, incredible. And, that, and that's when her competitors mobbed mobbed her. Yes, that's, I remember that. Yes, which said a lot as well about the uh, friendly rivalry of the sport. I enjoyed that. And the other things I wanted to throw into the mix, uh, it's not so much about results, these ones, but just moments in time, uh, because I think we had a few good retirements from sport this year. So I would throw in Ross Taylor taking the last wicket of Bangladesh to finish off his (laughs) test career was one of the great... I was actually on the um, on the bank at Hagley Oval for that, so one of the great sporting park assignments rather than couch assignments for me. Yes. Uh, and then both Serena Williams and Roger Federer's respective last games in tennis. Well, yes, I, but hang on. What am I reading about or hearing about Serena? Is it Serena or Venus? It's Venus who's coming. Who's, oh, it's who's Venus hopefully, coming. Hopefully. She has a wild card to Melbourne. Uh, yes. And hopefully that means she'll have wild card. Well, I think the classic would absolutely give her a wild card. It's just whether she comes to Auckland as well. No, Serena's retired. She had the big farewell at the US Open. That's right. Roger Federer uh, retired at, part at that Labour Cup. Yes. Remember that? There were tears. Yes, and the, very emotional. He and Nadal were holding hands. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, cried. Cool. Yeah, you cried and we all cried. Um, good one here from Dale, actually, uh, Kim, and have to agree with you there. The game didn't mean much, but being at the Warriors' homecoming was outstanding. Yeah, oh, it was. Good shout. It was a. We were lucky enough to. Oh, did we broadcast from there that day? We broadcasted from a few Warriors mm. games this year on Friday night. But that homecoming one, uh, phenomenal. The the atmosphere, the atmosphere when you're walking into the ground, when you would get finding your seat, it was just it was just a buzz. It, it was like a Christmas. I must say. It was that sort of feel to it. It was a Christmas for Warriors and league fans of this nation. And the Warriors boys didn't disappoint. They uh, they went out there and ripped in and got the results. So, no, the only thing um, about that night, which it didn't sour it because no one was hurt in the uh, in the process, but my word, I think last count I got to was 15 uh, pitch invaders. And <laughs> it, was, it was a free-for-all. It was comical. <laughs> Down beneath us, absolutely comical. <laughs> the boys from Red Badge, but undermanned that day. I don't, I don't think <laughs> I mean, they'd forgotten how many people show up the Warriors game when they haven't been at home for three years. I think they probably just didn't realise how, how many people would want to be on the pitch and just uh, sharing that experience on a homecoming. Yeah. I don't think that's the usual. No, we talk about sharing the experience. The thing that disappointed me about the pitch invasions that day, and we talked about this at length on the run home, is A, they were all clothed, and, I mean, where's the guts in that? I mean, it's cold in the middle of winter. If you're going to disrupt the game, have some bravery. And secondly, they were all running, like, well, I won't say all of them, but a lot of them were running out there um, documenting it. And that, oh, that was that was this the is the modern era, my friend. Oh, like that was the sickening point of view. Like it, it made me want to get down off the stand and, and put in the first hit of my career on these <laughs> 70, K, 70 kg little whippersnappers running around documenting this. You know, it was disgusting. But anyway, Dale, all with you. That was a great, great day. Uh, one more text in here as well. Super Bowl, of course. I've had a beer and barbecue, so I assume that's what you were doing uh, for the Super Bowl. 
always a good one to watch. If you've got any more those sporting highlights this year, the best couch assignments, the best game you watched, where you were when you were watching it, do text us in on the Temper Bed Post text machine double eight double three. Now it is time for headlines with Joe, who I think is a bit upset that he doesn't have his own personal sting for this segment. So I said we'd make one up on the spot. That's, that's my theme song to life. It's just one beer, one scotch, one beer. That's my attitude. Uh, yeah, time for a Bunnings Trade sports update. Bunnings Trade helping business is our trade. Brentford striker Ivan Tony has been charged by the Football Association with a further 30 alleged breaches of betting rules. Last month, he was charged with 232 alleged breaches of betting rules. Not great for me because he is my star striker on my Premier League fantasy team. He's got 10 so far, but it's not looking too good. He's got until Wednesday 4th of January to respond to the new FA misconduct charges. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, he's in a bit of hot water. Um... More positive news, Team New Zealand and Glenn Ashby have um, had their wind-powered world land speed record officially ratified and earned high, high praise for it. The Federation of Land Yachting, I'm surprised they exist, have recognised the records <laughs> and given them a certificate, so good on them, they absolutely smashed it. And um, two Melbourne, the two Melbourne Victory fans who rushed their pitch on uh, Saturday have uh, been banned from uh, all Football Australia matches going forward and have also uh, received uh, charges from the police. So it's good to see that they've got their due justice. There you go, guys. Nice. Good range of stories there. Range of headlines, Joe. Yeah, no, uh, look, um, I've got a lot of interests. People might not know this about me, but I played American football for a while. Um, I'm, I'm interested in a lot of different things, you know. I, I got absolutely killed. And I was going to say, not yeah. a linebacker. <laughs> well, I, I, so, so when I started, I was 15, and it was a new team on the shore. And, like, <laughs> there were only 11 of us, so we had to play, like, a bunch of different positions. And I, I had to play, like, on the O-line. I had to be one of the blockers. Just got rolled every single time. Just They ran straight over me. Sometimes they didn't even bother with me. They just, like... They just looked at me and they're like, mate, just step aside. Um, is and your quarterback still alive or is no, he still with us? <laughs> nah, nah. But that's the thing. We had, we, no, one wanted, no one wanted to play quarterback, even though it's a star. No, I can, I can understand why. <laughs> yeah. So, no, no. Um, it was terrible. We, we got absolutely pounded. But then the following season, we joined up with a team that was much better than us. And we, we combined. And I barely played and we made it to the final. Um, so that was a good year. Uh, but yeah, no, many interests, guys. So if you want to... Oh, by the way, actually, talking about movies before, um, we, we're going to have um, Kate Rogers on tomorrow to talk about movies. Oh, brilliant. How good is that? I, I um, we'll, we'll, we'll give her a good like, 20, 30 minutes because I'm obsessed with the mo- movies. So uh, I want to talk about it as much as possible because I have a lot of money and I want to know what we should, we should spend our money on uh, heading over the Christmas holidays. This level of enthusiasm, I love Kate. She is an amazing human and a fantastic movie reviewer uh, for the folks over at Discovery. But given your enthusiasm, Joe, I feel like Beav and I just take a back seat here and let you go. Yeah, should I just well, make a potty? Yeah, well, I'm going to have to um, probably do a bit of research on Kate. <laughs> um, but, um, but just picking up on your, your headlines there, Joe, I just want to... You mentioned the first story about the betting charges. So this guy you're referring to is a fully-fledged premiership striker yeah is that correct that's, that's right. correct yeah 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 he plays for Brentford he's like one of the best strikers going around right now he was kind of unlucky to miss the World Cup team for England actually 
And so I'd hate to think what he's on a week and he's deciding to risk it all for... Do we know what he's been gambling on? Is it... No, I mean, they, they haven't revealed initially, but it, it's something to do with... It's either he has a bet on games or he's shared private information for the purposes uh, of betting. Yes. Uh, no good. Yeah. You know what is good, though? Quizzy Kim. <laughs> Coming up next, taking your calls now, 0800 150 811. We'll give out that $50 bonus bet with the TAB if you take on the Quizmaster after the break. 6.48am and it is time for Quizzy Kim and our $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. Let's go straight to the phone lines because the calls have rushed in so far this morning. Tim is on the line first up. Uh, Tim, looking for a bit of redemption after you got the first four yesterday? Oh, yeah, pretty gutted. Pretty gutted. Oh, understandably <laughs> so, mate. We were gutted for you. However, this is your chance to claim... The worst thing was is that you got me on an actual sports question, not a... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it might go the other way today because we've um, gone reasonably hard on the Christmas theme at the moment. It's a real developing theme through the week if you're uh, doing your research ahead of the quiz, so we'll kick right into it, Tim. Very important question number one. Which former US president has a cameo in the movie Home Alone? Uh, is it uh, Bill Clinton? Sorry, Tim. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Time to go now to John. John, which former US president had a cameo? in the film Home Alone? Well, I'm just going to go with Obama because I don't know either, but uh, I would have said Clinton. I'm going to go with Obama. Catching a few people out this morning, this one. Kerry, next on the line. Do you know this one? Yeah, I'm a bit, uh, Donald Trump. Well done. Yes, he stops a young uh, Kevin at some stage in his hotel, doesn't he? Donald Trump, pre-presidency, yep. of course. Uh, question number two. In Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, what was the first name of Scrooge? Uh, any clues? Well, look, I am here for clues. Uh, this is not an easy one to give a clue, uh, but what I'm going to say is the superstar Springbok Lock, it's his first name, essentially. Okay, uh, uh, it's the best, whatever his first name is, can't bloody remember. <laughs> nah, nah, can't get it. <laughs> Oh, we've given it to you. You got the ding. You got the ding. It's Ebenezer. Ebenezer Beth is where Beef was going with that. Very tough to give a clue on that. Yeah, very, very <laughs> tough. On to question number it. three. How do you say Merry Christmas in Spanish? Nah, I'm out. <laughs> oh, dear. These are tougher than I uh, potentially thought. Brenton what? next. How many, how many fluent Spanish speakers do you well, know? If you, when you give a clue, babe, and we were talking oh. about it on the show yesterday because uh, Joe was trying to figure out which language 
the phrase came from. Uh, next on the line, Brenton. Brenton, how do you say Merry Christmas in Spanish? I'm pretty sure it's Feliz Navidad. Woo! Great stuff. On to question four. How many siblings does Kevin have in the movie Home Alone? Most of the ones that stay with him is cousin, so I'm um, a mean brother and I'm going to say, give a clue. I'm going to give you a clue, and it's the exact yeah. same clue that I gave for the Charles Dickens Christmas Carol. <laughs> so he's a prop, so he's either one or... I'll go away, his brother. Sorry, Brenton. He's a uh, he's a lock. Sorry. Have you, have you learned? Have you learned since Monday? What? Well, I haven't given away the actual thing, the actual number. There's still options. Uh, Simon is next on the line. How many siblings does Kevin have in the movie Home Alone? And the lock lock was the clue, was it? Um, one or the other. I'll just go four. Well done. And last but not least. This might be the hardest. Which British sport traditionally took place on Boxing Day before it was banned? Before it was banned. Um, any clue on that one? Yes. In nursery rhyme history, the little piggies are very scared of this animal. Um... Because he was going to oh. blow their house down. Gee. Um. Nah, I'm lost. I'm lost. Sorry, I got nothing. <laughs> oh, does, does my Does my clue make sense? Are we... I think it makes sense. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, though, because we've run long, we need to go to a break, so we're going to have to pick up Quizzy after this. 6.59am, if you're wondering what is happening to Quizzy Kim because we didn't have time to finish it, I believe that that decision is currently with the judiciary and that call will be made after 7 o'clock as to whether we attempt a round two this morning or whether it is doubled and we go to a $100 jackpot (laughs) tomorrow with the judiciary people, so... It is out of our hands, but we will be making a call on that in the next 10 or 15 minutes or so, just to keep you hanging. We've also, remember, put out that can't wait question of the day, the best couch assignment of the year. We've got a few really good options coming through, one that Beav in particular will like. Uh, So we will get to those. If you've got any more to add, please do send them in. We'll be back after the news.
Morning, Aotearoa. You were with Kim and B for our big breakfast, seeing you through the mornings this week leading into Christmas. Hope your week is going wonderfully as the year starts to wind down. Thank you for listening. It's a delight to be here alongside Stephen Donald. How are you going this morning, B? You holding up okay with the early morning starts? Oh, loving it, actually. The, the sun's starting to come in, um, so... Beautiful, beautiful morning. On a side issue, don't want to sabotage it with weather chat, but geez, hasn't this week been a whole lot better than we were told it was going to be? Glorious. Glorious, Glorious thankfully, week. although I did yeah. cop a bit of the old thunderstorm the other night at home, but never mind that. Now, we do need uh, to answer the most urgent question of the day, yes, uh, which is what's happening to Quizzy Kim after we were cut short in the last half hour. I will put my hand up. I will take some responsibility. It's about accountability, isn't it, when it comes to these things? Accountability, responsibility, and acknowledging when you did badly. And I did. Uh, and I've got a text in saying, throw the quiz master on the naughty list, read the room. And that's fair. Oh, but you know I, what? <laughs> There's a positive to come out of this, babe. There is. And, I mean, if we can bring anything from the run home to the breakfast show, it is... We love a jackpot. We love we love a jackpot. And the judiciary has made the decision during the news that that is what we will do. We will be jackpotting Quizzy Kim tomorrow to a $100 TAB bonus bet. And I researched my clue around what animal it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was actually right on. I was a little bit worried about my clue that I'd gone down a path which I had not got quite right, which... Look, it's, it happens. I don't always get my facts right, um, but say it confidently enough, people will believe you. True. But on this on this occasion, it is true what I was giving you. This thing could potentially blow the house down. Well, and in light of this and in light of my own mistakes, which I'm learning from, uh, we will make that the first question yes. tomorrow as well. So if you are listening, that first question for tomorrow was question number five today. Should I repeat it again? Just to yes, be super I just, obvious. I just love the way you were shuffling through your papers like it wasn't on, <laughs> okay, on the, the tip of your tongue. Of, the magic of radio is that you're not meant to give these things away. Smoke and mirrors, baby. Smoke and mirrors. So the question was, which British sport traditionally took place on Boxing Day before it was banned? Question number one for Quizzy Kim tomorrow. Hey, I've got some um, good news through as well. Breaking. Oh, what do you, what do you breaking got? Breaking news. So I checked my email, a press release from our friends at the ASB Classic. Let me read it to you. Not the whole thing. That would be a bit dull with the greatest of respect to the uh, press release writer. But champion Venus Williams receives uh, wild card for ASB Classic return. Beautiful. One of the most endearing stars in tennis, seven-time Grand Slam winner Venus Williams will be a wild card entry into the ASB Classic in Auckland next month. The 42-year-old who retired from regular tournament play in 2021 has a wild card to compete in the Australian Open and accordingly sought a spot in the ASB Classic as a lead-in to the Grand Slam event. Super popular figure at the tennis arena, having played in the tournament on five occasions with one of her 49 career victories coming in Auckland in 2015 over Caroline Wozniacki. So fantastic news for the Classic, fantastic news for tennis fans as well. And you know what else is fantastic news, Beef? Argentina win the World Cup. 
Yeah, I mean, that was news a couple of days ago. The fantastic <laughs> news now is that we get to cross live to Argentina uh, uh, to a man who I believe has been, amid all of the celebrations, one of our favourite Argentinian journalists, Zuka Conti, is on the line. Zuka, thank you so much for coming on the show. I believe the parade is ongoing for this team at the moment. How are you doing? Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Bieber. Yes, the parade, it's uh, just starting, but uh, for the Argentinian, it's, uh, I think, the most two crazy days in all our history. <laughs> now, in this moment, five million uh, people are in the streets uh, going around the bus, that uh, the bus start from the airport three hours ago, and in three hours, uh, they only can go around 10 kilometers <laughs> so it's going to be it's going to be a long long day for the players oh my goodness that is incredible and i think we've all probably seen those scenes uh, from near the obelisk in buenos aires of they're saying up to a million people gathered to party and for those final moments of the world cup final i actually i believe instagram would lead me to believe that you were there too Yes, yes, I was. I was there on on Sunday. Uh, we we looked at, watched the match with some friends, and uh, when the the last Argentinian player Gonzalo Montiel drew the penalty, we we take some lunch there in the house quickly. We took the cars and we go to the city center, and it was amazing. Waves of waves of people. All all of the people is uh, happy. And we stay there, I think that four hours, four or five hours, all the people singing, all the people happy, all the people hanging around. It was really, I was, I was born in 1986, the last time Argentina was a champion. So I never believed something like, like this. And it's really unbelievable. So you tell us, you've just sort of a little bit told us what Buenos Aires is like. Can you just tell us, it's a massive city, obviously, but from what we've seen, from what you've been saying since the final, has it literally just been locked down, gridlocked? You don't bother taking your car anywhere because there's just people absolutely everywhere. It's it's uh, like that. Uh, really, uh, yesterday it was like uh, the most calm day because uh, the players were in the in the flight. But uh, today it was really crazy. From uh, yesterday uh, on the night, some per- some people go to the street to sleep there and wait to <laughs> the bus. For example, <laughs> they were in different points of the city because uh, the football association uh, published the map where the bus is going to go around. Okay, that map uh, doesn't work anymore because the people, it's blocking the streets, uh, but in a massive way. So some uh, some person go yesterday, they sleep there in, in the cars just to wait and take one minute looking Messi, looking the other players uh, and a few meters ago. And now I'm watching the TV because I'm taking care of my little kid that was born <laughs> six uh, months ago. And I'm looking at the TV. Uh, since uh, I don't know 11 in the morning now in Argentina it's uh, 3 o'clock in the p.m. and the players are all in the bus and the cities and the streets are going crazy my friend some friends of mine are going and for example 
in the in the one of the most uh, famous highways the the cars are turning around going in the other side <laughs> but trying to go back to their homes because for example google maps uh, in a in a usually route that you can make in 20 minutes now google maps uh, tell you that it's going to be five hours ago uh, long <laughs> and if i tell me is it Obviously, the celebrations about the Argentinian team, but is it all about Messi, or is there new heroes emerged for for the Argentine people? It's all about Messi, Messi, and Messi. <laughs> I think that uh, oh, 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 not only Argentina, all the sports, uh, the world in the in the sports was waiting that uh, Messi became a, uh, the champion, but really this team. Uh, change the relationship between uh, the people and the players uh, some uh, people some players around uh, messi uh, make him uh, most uh, more uh, i don't know how to say it but pretty close to the to the people uh, messi is a super mega star and usually in argentina he plays in europe it was uh, in sometimes like a little bit uh, far away the, the people because uh, the, the pressure of the moment, the different situations. And now some players like, uh, I don't know, Rodrigo de Paul, Leandro Paredes, Otamendi, uh, that are key factors of the, of the team, they try to relax the relationship between the team and the fans, and that's go crazy. And now all the, the players, I think, that uh, are, are going to be heroes for the rest of uh, their histories of their life. And now they are in the capital city. Now they are in Buenos Aires. For example, tomorrow, I don't know, uh, Dibu Martinez, the goalkeeper, he has to go to his city, to Mar del Plata. Messi is going to Rosario. Uh, Julian Álvarez is going to Calcín, Córdoba. And there, in these small towns, it's going to to get more crazy. (laughs) Oh, I can only imagine how it's going to be. While we're on the topic of Messi, Zuka. I mean, he's really spent so much of his career being compared, of course, to the great Maradona. Do you think now that he has a World Cup, does it feel like he has finally been able to get out of Maradona's shadow? Yeah, I think that that yes, but uh, I, I I don't like that. Uh, in Argentina, we love uh, discuss. We are always discussing a lot uh, instead of enjoying. We have Maradona and we have Messi and we have been from years fighting about it's Messi the best, it's Maradona the best. <laughs> really, I, 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 didn't, I didn't watch a lot of Maradona because the, in that World Cup 1986, uh, I was born that year, then Maradona <laughs> retires, I, don't, I think, in 1996, so I was 10 years old. My uh, idol, it's Messi. For me, Messi is the best, not uh, sport, the best sportsman. I think that is the, the best example of a sportsman that Argentina has. The, 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 the player that he wins everything with his club, but with Argentina, he has to fight, to fight, to fight, and come back, come back, come back. And if Messi fails and Messi goes uh, another way, trying to uh, achieve their dreams, why I can do it, why my neighborhood can do it. I think that it's the best example that we have in all the history of Argentina. I, I have no doubt about that. And uh, finally, the, some, sometimes the sports 
is uh, just I have justice and, and sometimes no. Uh, I think that now uh, the world is a little bit more justice with Messi and this uh, cup. <laughs> I wonder, Zuka, if you got to see Messi now, if you got to meet him kind of in this moment, what would you want to say to him? To Messi? Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you very much because uh, I loved I I, I love uh, football. I, I'm a journalist of rugby, but I love football, and he probably one of the best moments of my life. It was uh, because of him. So uh, it's uh, thank you, Lionel. You are you are the best. I have a tattoo of Messi uh, from that to, and I'm going to make another tattoo now with the World Cup. Oh, absolutely brilliant, Zuka. And what I really like as well is there's a nice parallel. You being born the last year, Argentina won a World Cup. Your child, congratulations, by the way, being born this year when they win a World Cup. When is this party going to stop, do you think? Uh, Kimberly, when my son was born, I told to my wife, this, uh, this year we are going to win the World Champions. We, I was born in the, in, the, in the last time and Felix, it's the name of my, my kid, is going to be world champion. So thankfully that's happened. And I really, I don't know when this is going to stop. I think that in Argentina, for example, we, can, we, we are not going to work since the next year. We are going to start <laughs> working again in 2023 because it's going to be all party uh, since uh, the next year. Now, Zuki, before we really go, mate, the big question on everyone's lips listening to you right now is if Buffelli kicks the match winner in Paris and Argentina win the Rugby World Cup final next year, will you get a tattoo of him too? Yes, of course. <laughs> I have, uh, Beaver. Beaver, I have in, in, in one of my hands, I have the 14 November of uh, 2020 and 27 August of 2022, the two times that uh, Argentina <laughs> wins against the All Blacks. I have tattoo of that uh, day. <laughs> Brilliant. If, if next year uh, the Pumas wins the World Cup, probably is the last uh, the last uh, thing that I can I, I'm going to watch in my life because I'm going to be dead there in the start of France <laughs> <laughs> ah, brilliant oh, oh Zuka I can think of no better way to leave this thank you so very much for your time you are just I'm so happy for you I love chatting to you so happy for you for Argentina for the team Go enjoy it. Keep soaking it in. Well done. I have very little else to say, but congrats. Always a pleasure for me, and I hopefully see you next year here, here in Argentina for the All Blacks uh, match against Pumas. That would be to. absolutely brilliant. We'll um, share a couple of bottles of Malbec and, and reminisce Zuka Conti there from Argentina. Thank you so very much for your time. You're a wizard, Kim. Cut! It's in the air and drops safely into the hands 
of long leg, short long leg. It's Pfeiffer. Ryan Ahmed becomes the youngest ever debutant in test history. That is our Wizard of the Week this week. England's bowling wonder kid, 18-year-old Rayan Ahmed, the leg spinner, who managed to secure a Pfeiffer on debut to lead England to their first Test Series sweep in Pakistan. The first Test Series sweep of Pakistan in Pakistan, in fact, ever in history. The first wicket that he took in that Pfeiffer, none other than Babarazam. A lot of hype has been surrounding Ahmed, boy, did he deliver. His dad as well, watching on in the stands, shedding a few tears, having to wipe his eyes as Ahmed walked off the field with the ball in his hand, waving to the crowd. And you know what? You know how they say it takes one to know one? Well, how about this? The most famous leg spinner of all time, the late great Shane Warne, met Ahmed when he was just 13 years old and told him this. Um, that's awesome, man. Really, really good. I'm going to keep a close eye on you. I think you will be commentating on you very soon. I think you can be playing first-class cricket by the age of 15. I mean, talk about magical, Beave. And the only sad part there, of course, is that Warren never got to commentate on him at international level. Um, it actually did debut in first-class cricket uh, when he was 16 years old, so a, a year later than Warren thought. But I just, oh, I love those sort of stories. What a magical moment. Both of those moments must have been for the young man. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess he's also very fortunate at the moment that obviously he had a run-in with the great Shane Warne, but he's probably also lucky that he's got such a, I guess, not punter, but a uh, a guy that's going to back people as, as far as his coach right now. Mm. And, and our very own Baz McCallum, he's someone who's not going not gonna to think twice about throwing someone in there like that as an 18-year-old. So, no, nah, it's all... It's all looking pretty rosy in that young boy's life right now, isn't it? Very much so. Remarkable what that England, ta- uh, England team has managed to do in Pakistan overall as well. All right, time now for Aroha with the news for Kubota. Everyone's gathering around the fire. Chestnuts roasting like a hot Oh, I love Justin Bieber. I'm not afraid to say that he is actually my favourite artist. Do you know, actually, what do you guys get for your Spotify um, raps? What was your What was your uh, artist of the year, Kim? Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. And no shame either. No shame. <laughs> I love him. So Beeb, did you have Spotify raps? Uh, no, our Spotify is run by the wife, so I have very little <laughs> interaction with Spotify. Also Ed Sheeran then. <laughs> No, uh, no, no, she's not that cheering man. No, I've actually started to bring her over to a lot of my stuff, which is uh, concerning for her. What's your stuff? Oh, it's the old school rock. Such nice. as? Well, I mean, I went to Guns N' Roses the other night, didn't I? I do like Guns N' Roses, that's fair play. Got the guns out today too, Beeb. Uh, girl, <laughs> feeling your mission around, are you feeling your mission all year round? Time for a little bit of a sports uh, update. Formula One drivers will now need prior written permission from the sports governing body to make political statements from next season following an update of the International Sporting Code. Um, Hamilton, 
<laughs> Lewis Hamilton won't be happy because obviously he um, has been a campaigner for human rights for a while. The 2023 co- uh, version of the code, which applies to all series sanctioned by the FIA, was published on the government's uh, body's website with these changes highlighted. So they haven't even officially announced it yet. Someone just picks it up on the website. Um, and former rowing NZ boss Simon Peterson, he will lead Cycling New Zealand from 2023 as it rebuilds from its troubled times uh, as of late. And also, as you mentioned, Kim, before, Venus Williams is going to be at the ASB Classic. How good. I may or may not be there. I haven't booked my tickets yet. I'm going to leave it to the last second and I probably will end up going. But that is exciting news. I'm just waiting for Beeve to invite me into the uh, inevitable corporate box that he's got. Uh, but on the Lewis Hamilton front, we're on the F1 protest front. Does that feel quite targeted? <laughs> because it feels like Lewis is really the only one who makes yeah, any I was sort say, of statements. I was going to say, there's, there's not many that jump out at me saying they are ready for any causes. No. Uh, so, no, it's, it probably is quite targeted. I'm quite interested as well to know what the definition of a uh, political statement is. Like, are we talking social causes are now political yes. statements? Or are yeah. we just talking actual politics? Politics, Because there is a bit of a difference between kind of social advocacy and political manoeuvrings. Yeah, backing themselves into a bit of a corner here, the F1 people, but I guess a little bit like FIFA, law to themselves because they're such a big beast. Yeah, I guess so. I'm just, I'm, I'm, well, not surprised, actually, now that I think about it. I'm not surprised, but somewhat disappointed because I personally tend to believe that there is plenty of room in sport and on these stages uh, for the athletes to be able to have opinions on things outside of sport and demonstrate them as long as it's in an appropriate way, of course. You know, nothing that's going to incite anything or anything like that. But if it comes to waving a flag or wearing a T-shirt, let them have a voice as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, we all moan about uh, sports people not, you know, being interesting enough. Well, when some, when some come out with obviously... More than just what's between the uh, lines, uh, mm-hmm. then why not just let them go? But obviously, let's remember we are talking about f- FIFA. We F1, were talking about FIFA. Yeah. We're talking about F1. These are two big beasts who would take on anyone and e- everything as far as their way is the only way. And you can go take a jump if you don't want to get on board. And to be fair, what are the alternatives for Lewis? Mm. Uh wear it anyway and see what they're going to do about it because he's the greatest F1 driver of all time. Just just saying. Just saying. Yes. Just putting yeah. it out there. Yeah, but then they could turn around and go, all right, we'll go go drive NASCAR, which I'm sure gets way up paid, but he ain't on the same level that uh, the Formula <laughs> 1 boys are. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you can say that to someone who's won the championship that many times, but, I mean, yeah, I guess it's, it's within their rights. I don't think the F1 are covering themselves in glory there, but, hey, that is... Just me. Next up, we're talking to our latest new world record holder. Yesterday evening, New Zealand gained a new world record holder. Ruben Alabaster, 19 years old, setting a new record for a solo eight-hour lamb sharing, sharing 700 
and 46 lambs over an over eight hours at Te Pas Station in Wai Marino. Ruben joins us now. Thank you so much for your time this early as well after such a massive effort yesterday. Congratulations. I imagine the body is in some serious pain. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty sore this morning. Um, it was a pretty hard day yesterday, but um, yeah, we got there in the end, but no, I'm just happy as, yeah. Ruben. Ruben. Oh, oh. Sorry. sorry, you, sorry go, Kip. you go. No, no Ruben, I was going to say, mate, you're talking about the body. The body must be in pieces. What's what's howling the most? Is it the back, the shoulders? Oh, it's my lower back and um, like up around my ribs. I was getting cramped yesterday at about, oh, no, quarter to five in place, so she knew so we get cramped before. So. Uh, yeah, I, was, I finished, and I finished, it was about 15 minutes after I was lying down in the room, and I was in a full, just like a coma, I was just cramped from head to toe, it was pretty painful, but yeah. Was it worth it, Ruben? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely was, yep, yeah, no, it's, um, that's, yeah, day I'll never forget, I don't reckon. Uh, it was um, yeah, it was an awesome day. Loved it. May I ask what on earth makes you first think of this, and then makes you want to go after a record like that one? I'm not. I've, I'm not sure. I, I suppose you go to work every day and do a job you love, and well, obviously I love sharing, and then you know just to have an opportunity to do to do a record, which is sort of put yourself up there with the best shares in the world. It's um, just something I've I wanted to do and yeah, I mean it did and yeah, I don't know, it's just it's yeah, pretty cool feeling now. Mate, you talked about obviously going to work every day and loving what you do. When you went after this record, did you just treat it like a longer version or or a bigger workload as far as work goes, or did you have a bit more intensity and try and go a bit quicker throughout the day? Yeah, so obviously I trained for about six and a half months and I just, you know, I just told myself it's just another day at work but just harder, you know, you just got to give yeah. it everything on the next day, so just, no, nah, give it all I've got, so, you know, it's just another day at work but just, be yeah, a lot harder, so, yeah. When you talk about that training, can you tell us about that? What sort of training goes into this sort of effort? Um, so... For the first three months, I did strength and conditioning, so it was like a mixture of weights and stuff like that, just to build up my strength. And then after that, I was doing a little bit of strength and conditioning, but heat more cardio. So I was, um, yeah, like I was rowing and running and, you know, sort of swimming and stuff like that to, um, you know, get myself fit. And then the strength and that was just, just to hold my, yeah, just to hold my um, weight in it so I didn't lose too much. I was going to say, talk about holding weight. You'd be the envy of a lot of people this close to Christmas. Uh, you'd have shed a bit yesterday, <laughs> so you'd be able to go pretty big in the next few days, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think I lost like, over five kilos yesterday, so... <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, we need to get sharing, Kim. hopefully. <laughs> Oh, mate. <laughs> oh, we need to get sharing yeah. ourselves uh, now. I need to come oh, find you. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah. Um, Ruben, I do have to say, like, I was watching a lot of that live stream yesterday, which was fantastic. Like, it was actually mesmerising just 
seeing you keep going and going and going. But what was it that actually was keeping you going? Like, because I imagine you were t- you would have been exhausted. What kept you going? Um, I got to the last run and I knew I needed a big run and, you know, all the supporters and all the people's hard work that they put into it, I, you know, I didn't want to let them down and, and that. And then, like, I was sitting in the room about 15 minutes ago and I didn't know what, what, how, what was going to get me through because I was buggered and I just said to Dad, I said, get Mum and my sisters in there and they were in, me, in the room with me for about 10 minutes before and I reckon they pulled me through, my, my sisters and my family, so, yeah. That is awesome, Ruben. Uh, I do, though, also have to mention, if I'm understanding correctly, your mate and fellow sharer, Jack Fagan, is actually tomorrow going to attempt to break your brand new record. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he goes tomorrow at the same record. So um, I've made it two sheep harder for him. So, <laughs> yeah, nah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully he has a good day. So. How, how do you feel about that? Would you, will you go down to watch? Will you watch? Will there be a stream? Are you just sitting there going, please don't, I work too hard for this? <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose you obviously don't want it to be broken, but it's there to be broken. So, you know, if he has a good day and breaks it, well, well done to him. But, yeah, I can't. It just, uh, yeah, hopefully he has a good day anyway. Any, any chance of Sabre Sergeant any of the sheep that he's got to contend with, make it, draw it out a bit? Uh, nah, nah, nah. I don't, yeah. Uh, nah, I can't. I couldn't do that, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, oh, uh, brilliant. Just have to ask, Ruben, as well. I know you were cramping like mad 15 minutes after you finished that effort, uh, but did you have a chance to enjoy a few celebrations in Waimirino there? Yeah, I did, yeah. Well, it took me took me a while to get the first beer down, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, we had a couple more to celebrate. It was good. All right, fantastic. Well, like I mentioned before, really, really appreciate you joining us at this hour, a day after setting a new world record. Congratulations. Astonishing stuff. Just amazing to watch. And I'm with Beeve. I think think you need to get us in for a sharing lesson. We can drop a few... (laughs) We can drop some holiday kilos early next year. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, mate. Congratulations. Awesome stuff. Uh, So impressive. Just 19 years old as well. And honestly, I'm not kidding. Watching this live stream, it was just amazing. Like, it was almost hypnotic watching him go through it because his process, we love that word in sport, don't we? But his process was just like, this. it's just an amazing repetition. And it's kind of, it's almost hard to describe. You have to watch it, and I'm sure that stream is probably available if you want to go back and watch some of it. But just kind of going through those motions over and over and over again. It was actually incredibly cool. And, you know, I'm from dairy farming country, so if I'm saying that, that's... That's that's high praise. 7.56am with Kim and Beeves, Big Brekkie here on SENZ. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening uh, a short time ago, we were talking about this FIA decision that's been put out stopping drivers in the F1 from making what they've said are personal or political statements uh, without prior approval. Now, in my view, the main driver, and in fact only one that I can think of, uh, who is making those sort of statements would be 
Lewis Hamilton. So it feels like a pretty clear indication that they want to stop that. I shudder to think how they're going to potentially enforce it because I cannot imagine that Lewis Hamilton is the type of athlete who is just going to bow down to that sort of rule. Remember they also had that tiff about wearing jewellery? Yes. (laughs) Remember that? And a lot of these causes like Black Lives Matter, for example, uh, LGBTQ plus rights, I imagine, are a lot more important to him than wearing jewellery on race day. So a lot of fascinating developments to come. If you have a take on it, do text us in double eight double three, or you can give us a call, of course, on the Kennard's Higher phone line, whether this is the right call by the FIA to ban forms of personal and political statements when it comes to F1. In the meantime, though, some great texts on our Can't Wait question of the day. The best couch assignment in here. Best I've watched this year. This was earlier in the morning from Kevin. One, Argentina v France. Absolutely heart-stopping. Two, Baz's England beating Pakistan 3-0 and in Pakistan. First time a 3-0 white nosh, uh, 3-0 whitewash, sorry. Just incredible scenes. Uh, another one favourite couch moment would have been State of Origin 3, Die Hard Queenslander. So good to silence them bandwagoners. Hey, babe. Yeah, we've got no time for, for such people, um, Kim, that's, that's for sure. Um, back on the Lewis Hamilton, mm. he will just be directed by his team. It'll be where his team, his team pays his bills. It'll be where his team sits on it all, won't it, as far as that. Um, obviously, he kicked up a fuss because he didn't want to remove his belly button ring that he famously wears uh, during Formula One. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's an interesting interesting discussion. I mean, you'd think the world we live in now, you can't silence anyone. No, I wouldn't have thought to, no. for having an opinion, and particularly if it's about making other people's lives, you know, better. So uh, no, fascinating where that ends up. But as we say. She's a big old beast, the Formula One. She is. Dangerous waters that they're treading into, and I just have a funny feeling that this is all going to come to a head in quite a dramatic fashion, potentially, when the next season comes to start. Anyway, let us know what you think on the Kenneth's Higher phone line or the Temper Bed Post text machine. Here's Aroha with the news with Kubota. Aotearoa, it is Kim and Beeb's Big Breakfast. Kim Downs with you alongside Stephen Donald this week as we uh, work our way to the Christmas break. Well, Christmas break for many of us. Thank you to those of you who will keep on working through it to keep all of our essential services and the like going. But it is very much... (laughs) Sorry, what are you doing? What's that? What are you doing? Well, you're talking about essential services. If it isn't essential to be drinking... Grins RTDs over some of them. I don't know what is. I will so, leave. Don't worry. I will leave. Bless you, Neeps. Was the top of the show the time for your uh, plug? <laughs> what, what, no, I, I just thought you were thanking welcome. me. I thought you were just thanking me. <laughs> I was doing my big welcome. You know, it was kind of poetry and motion. I was going to say, you're welcome. In. You're welcome. <laughs> and yes, Beeve is uh, certainly the one that I was referring to there. I actually assume you'd be on quite a few duties on Christmas Day, Beeve. I kind of figured you'd be on, at the very least, barbecue duty. Yeah, well, we, we'd, unfortunately or fortunately, um, 
our mother doesn't allow us to be barbecuers on Christmas Day. Ah, it's, no. we, we, we're roasting, uh, so we'll be sitting there in 30-degree heat, uh, having turkey, having roast, spuds and veggies. Uh, this may be a, an argument we've had before. You can probably sense by my voice and my tone. But, uh, yep, no, we'll be, there'll be no barbecue apart from maybe the, the entree where I might uh, whitebait fritters will be about the only closest thing we get to a barbecue on Christmas Day. I hope you don't use that tone with your mother, Beef. Coming up on the show, uh, we are going to be talking a little bit later on to ASB Classic Tournament Director Nicholas Lamperin about his latest big get. Venus Williams, you would have heard in that news with Aroha, is confirmed to be coming back to the ASB Classic. Sensational for the tournament, which already has a stacked women's draw and a very, very strong men's draw as well. So can't wait to talk to him a little bit after nine. We'll also be talking some golf very shortly. And the topic of the morning has been the best couch assignment of the year when it comes to those sporting moments that we've been privileged to get to watch. And there's a couple more texts that I do want to get to on these uh, because we haven't had time for them yet, but there's some fantastic ones. Uh, from Craig Lawson, Couch Highlight was watching Foxy, Ryan Fox, uh, win at St Andrews. Yes. When you look back on 2022, and, and obviously when we started these sorts of conversations, it's very, it's very tough to remember back. Mm. More than last week, you know, sometimes. But jeepers, Ryan Fox's year. Oh, incredible. Out incredible. the gate. And then you think about, obviously, Lydia Ko. Stephen Alka. Stephen Alka. Geez, the golfers will circle 2022 and say, we had a year. Absolute, Quite phenomenal. Absolute doozy. Uh, it also texted a good one, Beef, actually. I'll, in fact, I'll, maybe I'll let you read this one out. No, I think it'll be you. I okay. Think it'll be you. Okay. If well, it needs to be read out, um, I think it'll be you. Well, I just thought you'd like the end of it uh, because we were also talking Christmas movies, uh, and he said, "I've got a movie, The Kick. Not sure if it's a Christmas one, but sure makes you feel like it is." Note: Gerard Butler should have played you, Beaver. Your vets. That's the man's no. head does not need to get bigger. <laughs> no, no, I'll give you a bit of context to that. So a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about on the run home about uh, lookalikes and all the rest of it. And mm. you're going to be shocked now, but I used to get a little bit of that, that I look like Gerard Butler, the actor. Um, you're looking at your screen thinking, cannot see, cannot see. And, uh, and, and the funny thing was, is... Um, Kirst was absolutely like you, dead against it. <laughs> and, and, then, and then I said, oh, look, you know, I've also had Brad Pitt, which he just about fell off a chair with. Um, Give me a break. It's not, it doesn't count if it's you saying it, babe. <laughs> uh, well, I won't go any, I won't go any further because in Dubai I had other, I had other ones too. I had. What, uh, George Clooney? Yes. <laughs> um, and I said, look, it's, it's a wonderful compliment. Uh, Name sexiest man of our generation, but that's fine. Um, so yeah, I, Gerard Butler's the one that I often get, mm. uh, Kim, mm. and you're still looking at your screen like I just can't see it. I, I no, no, I'm, the it. look that I'm giving the screen is not I can't see it. It's just that I'm fairly sickened by this chat, and I think we need to. Move I mean, on. have we cleared no, out half? Have we cleared out half an hour? Have we cleared out half an hour for this? No, you... and this is the thing. I, <laughs> no, no, we have not. We've got way more important topics. Oh, okay. To okay. speak about, okay. And whether or not you look like Gerard Butler is not at the top of my 
uh, Christmas wish list well, for talking I'll, points. I'll bring it. I'll bring it back for you. I also get Rowan Atkinson too. So that, okay. that, that will make you happy, Mr. Bean. That does. No, Beeb. You, Gerard Butler, very similar, both very handsome men. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> You're good looking. Wonderful. Okay. Honestly, I'm not getting you a Christmas present now. That was it. Um, can we move I'm on still to waiting. one? More important people and particularly more important causes uh, at the moment because we want to talk the longest day golf challenge. Now, if you haven't heard of this, it's basically uh, when golfers or non-golfers, I imagine, play what we call the longest day. The standard uh, that people play is 72 holes in one day, all for the Cancer Society to raise funds uh, for that wonderful organisation. But there's one bloke who decided, 72? I'm going to aim for 300 in one day, yesterday, went out on his attempt, managed to reach 255 holes in one day. That's slightly over 14 rounds. His name is Fraser Bond, and he joins us now. Fraser, what an effort. Thanks very much. Um, how are you feeling? Um, not fantastic, but uh, I'm feeling. I think I think all the supportive messages and some of the donations that came in, and I think that that makes it all worth it for sure. Just to get a gauge on how long your longest day was, when did you start and when did you finish? Uh, so started at five thirty a.m. and caught it at like twenty past nine. Just couldn't see anymore, so uh, unfortunately had to play the last like two holes in the dark because two fifty-five sounded like a, a nicer number. <laughs> <laughs> Fraser, there obviously you're doing it for a wonderful cause, but I guess the question on everyone's lips here from a golfing point of view is did it get better or worse as the day went on your ability? There was like some real good patches where I, I must have looked like I'd only played like my first round of the day, and then there were some times it looked like I'd never held a golf club before. <laughs> um, <laughs> There was real big ups and downs, but yeah, now there was there was quite a few uh, like birdies out there. I've got to total up some of those, and uh, yeah, no, it was it was good. It was just that there wasn't a time for any break apart from when a thunderstorm came through. It stopped for like twenty minutes, but <laughs> maybe if uh, maybe if it was a bit nicer weather instead of this crazy wet summer we're having, I might have been able to get to three hundred. I think two fifty five is still a pretty phenomenal <laughs> effort. Um, what made you want to set such a wild target? So last year I did 200 holes and there was still daylight left and that's where I thought I'd do 300 uh, or try to try to get to 300 anyway. And it's more like for, for this, like if more people are talking about this um, this cause and this activity that we're doing, if they're not donating to the cause and they're actually getting out and doing it, that's just more money for the society and just keeps growing it because it's been going for quite a few years now. It's, it's an awesome idea. An awesome idea, but... Do people tell you you're mental when you told them what you were trying to do? Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of head shaking and stuff, and I played through a few groups yesterday. Um, but yeah, no, it was it's was, it was fine. You know, you, you just got to do it once, and yeah, maybe next year I'll, I'll rethink that though. <laughs> Fraser, what uh, what course were you on yesterday? Uh, so I did it at Golf Harbour Country Club. Oh yes. Yeah, so if anyone knows, like it's quite yes. a bit longer. I reckon if I did it a, a smaller course, I could probably get around it. But um, I kind of like the idea of playing one ball and playing one hole at a time and actually linking it all together. Because the other idea is you could drop three balls on a hole and play all three yep. at the same time. But actually playing 255, 300 in a row just sounds sounds way more like a the challenge is complete. 
Now, I don't think I'm presuming anything too silly here that you didn't walk, but I'd like to know how many easy go carts did you have to go through? <laughs> like how many batteries? How many batteries in the carts went through? Um, it was pretty good actually. Well, I just got a new easy go cart um, from those guys there. It did five rounds before it needed a charge, and then we oh, had to brilliant. swap. And that gave through, got through five. Uh, no, sorry, four rounds. So I think we ended up having like four, the four cart swaps, three cart swaps during the day. That is Not solid. Bad. Have you Not bad. <laughs> out of your two hundred and fifty five holes, is there any one shot that you will cherish the most? Um oh, there's now there's a couple of good ones out there. There was a couple playing through a few groups that I thought were like really good. I almost made a hole in one about four times, which would have been kind of oh. cool to make one oh. on the day. Oh. Like when I mean like really close, like we're talking like an inch away. Oh. Um yeah. I didn't make it past the ladies' tees once uh, later later in the day, so I do owe the guys who are helping me uh, a couple of rounds of whiskeys. Apart from that, we actually were talking to someone else who put on a, a bit of an endurance effort earlier in the show uh, with the sh- in the sharing shed, and he said after his effort he had cramp in places he didn't know that he could cramp, and I imagine actually yours was possibly similar. How much pain were you in? by the end of it last night? Oh, the last maybe like 18, maybe maybe even 36 holes, I was limping like bad. But I could like get out of the cart, get to the ball, and once I got to the ball, I still had a golf swing, which was which was pretty good. But um, yeah, when I got back home, um, I kind of just forgot that I live up three flights of stairs. I think that was probably the, uh, the biggest battle actually, <laughs> getting upstairs just to go to bed. <laughs> the stairs, not, did you crawl? Uh, I, I grabbed the handrail quite a bit and just pulled myself up. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't think I left the couch for about thirty minutes after that, and that was even a miracle on its own. Oh my gosh, what an effort! And like we've said, all for a good cause, the Cancer Society. So it would be remiss of me to not ask, how much have you managed to raise, and can people still donate? Yeah, so I've raised just over three thousand dollars. The donation pages are, are still open all the way through to the end of January. Uh, uh, everyone's still, some people are still completing their causes and such. And if you haven't um, done one and you want to give it a try, you've still got all that time uh, next month to to do like a seventy-two holer, or even if that's not quite you, just even a thirty-six holer. That is outstanding. Where can people, sorry, go to donate if they want to? Uh, so it's the longestday.org. And then my page is just Fraser Bond at the end. Well, congratulations, Fraser. A mammoth effort. I hope today is going to be dedicated to putting your feet up. Uh, no, actually, today's the work staff party, so I've got to go to a whole I'll complete those extra holes as a mini putt, but I might need a lime scooter in there to get around. <laughs> oh, brilliant. That is truly outstanding. Great effort, Fraser. Congratulations. Well done. Uh, all in the name of the Cancer Society. Uh, he mentioned there, head to the Longest Day Golf Challenge page where you can find links to donate to the various golfers. Uh, pff, wonderful effort for a wonderful cause. Congrats, game. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Thanks very much, Jeff. Beef, how many rounds do you reckon you could pull off in a day? Well, I could... I could probably do that. It'd just be a matter of getting the leave pass. Um, so, you know, I'd love to have, I'd love to have played golf all day, but uh, I'm lucky to get nine holes uh, permission to leave at the moment. So, um, 
No, at, the, at this rate, uh, if I get a couple of 18s in over the uh, festive season, I'll be a very, very lucky man. Do you reckon you would get close to being able to play, say, 200, roll, 200 holes in a day? No, but for a wonderful cause like the Cancer Society. Like if it society, was for a cause, you know, you made yes. a day of it. Yes, but I mean, well, we made a day of Movember and, you know, wonderful True. cause. And uh, I had to put in uh, two months advance um, leave notice. Uh, Morena Aotearoa, it is Kim and Beeb's Big Breakfast. Kim Downs with you alongside Stephen Donald this week as we uh, work our way to the Christmas break. Well, Christmas break for many of us. Thank you to those of you who will keep on working through it to keep all of our essential services and the like going. But it is very much... <laughs> Sorry, what are you doing? What's that? What are you doing? Well, you're talking about essential services. If it isn't essential to be drinking Grins RTDs over the summer, then I don't know what is. I so, will, Neb, don't worry, I will be. Bless you, Neb. Was the top of the show the time for your plug? <laughs> well, no, I just I thought you were thanking welcome. me. I thought you were just thanking me. I was doing my big welcome, you know, it was kind of poetry in motion. I was going to say, you're welcome. In. You're welcome. <laughs> And yes, Beeve is uh, certainly the one that I was referring to there. I actually assume you'd be on quite a few duties on Christmas Day, Beeve. I kind of figured you'd be on, at the very least, barbecue duty. Yeah, well, we, we'd, unfortunately, or fortunately, um, our mother doesn't allow us to be barbecuers on Christmas Day. Uh, it's, no. we, we, we're roasting, uh, so we'll be sitting there in 30 degree heat. Uh, having turkey, having roasts, spuds and veggies. Uh, this may be a, an argument we've had before. You can probably sense by my voice and my tone. But, uh, yep, no, we'll be, there'll be no barbecue apart from maybe the, the entree where I might uh, whitebait fritters will be about the only closest thing we get to a barbecue on Christmas Day. I hope you don't use that tone with your mother, Beef. Coming up on the show, uh, we are going to be talking a little bit later on to ASB Classic Tournament Director Nicholas Lamperin about his latest big get. Venus Williams, you would have heard in that news with Aroha, is confirmed to be coming back to the ASB Classic. Sensational for the tournament, which already has a stacked women's draw and a very, very strong men's draw as well. So can't wait to talk to him a little bit after nine. We'll also be talking some golf very shortly. And the topic of the morning has been the best couch assignment of the year when it comes to those sporting moments that we've been privileged to get to watch. And there's a couple more texts that I do want to get to on these uh, because we haven't had time for them yet, but there's some fantastic ones. Uh, from Craig Lawson, Couch Highlight was watching Foxy, Ryan Fox, uh, win at St Andrews. Yes. When you look back on 2022, and, and obviously when we started these sorts of conversations, it's very, it's very tough to remember back. Mm. More than last week, you know, sometimes. But jeepers, Ryan Fox's year. Oh, incredible. Out incredible. the gate. And then you think about, obviously, Lydia Coe. Stephen Alka. Stephen Alka. Geez, the golfers will circle 2022 and say, we had a year. Absolute. Quite phenomenal. Absolute doozy. Uh, it also takes in a good one, Beef. actually. I'll let, in fact, I'll, maybe I'll let you read this one out. No, I think it'll be you. I okay. Think it'll be you. Okay. If well, it needs to be read out, um, I think it'll be you. Well, 
I just thought you'd like the end of it uh, because we were also talking Christmas movies. Uh, and he said, I've got a movie, The Kick. Not sure if it's a Christmas one, but sure makes you feel like it is. Note, Gerard Butler should have played you, Beaver. Yo, that's Ed, a, that's, that's the a, man's no. head does not need to get bigger. <laughs> no, no, I'll give you a bit of context to that. So a couple of weeks ago we were talking about on the run home about uh, lookalikes and all the rest of it. And mm. you're going to be shocked now. But I used to get a little bit of that, that I look like Gerard Butler, the actor. Um, you're looking at your screen thinking, cannot see, cannot see. And, uh, and, and the funny thing was, is um, Kirst was absolutely like you, dead against it. <laughs> and, and, then, and then I said, oh, look, you know, I've also had Brad Pitt, which he just about fell off a chair with. Um, Give me a break. It's not. It doesn't count if it's you saying it, babe. <laughs> uh, well, I won't go any. I won't go any further because in Dubai I had other. I had other ones too. I had uh, what George Clooney. Yes, <laughs> um, and I said, look, it's that's a wonderful compliment. Uh, name sexiest man of our generation, but that's fine. Um, so yeah, I, Gerard Butler's the one that I often get, mm. uh, Kim mm. and. You're still looking at your screen like, I just can't see it. I'm, I no, no, I'm, see the it. look that I'm giving the screen is not I can't see it. It's just that I'm fairly sickened by this chat and I think we need to move I mean, on. have we cleared out half an hour? Have we cleared out half an hour for this? No, week? and this is the thing. I, <laughs> no, no, we have not. We've got way more important topics oh, okay, to okay. speak about, okay? And whether or not you look like Gerard Butler is not at the top of my uh, Christmas wish list well, for talking oh. points. I'll bring it. I'll bring it back for you. I also get Rowan Atkinson too, so that, okay. that, that will make you happy. Must have been that does. No, Beeb, you, Gerard Butler, very similar, both very handsome men. Well done, congratulations. <laughs> You're good looking, wonderful. Okay, honestly, I'm not getting you a Christmas present now. That was it. Um, can we move I'm on to the more important people and particularly more important causes uh, at the moment because we want to talk the longest day golf challenge. Now, if you haven't heard of this, it's basically uh, when golfers or non-golfers, I imagine, play what we call the longest day. The standard uh, that people play is 72 holes in one day, all for the Cancer Society to raise funds uh, for that wonderful organisation. But there's one bloke who decided 72? <sighs> I'm going to aim for 300 in one day, yesterday, went out on his attempt, managed to reach 255 holes in one day. That's slightly over 14 rounds. His name is Fraser Bond, and he joins us now. Fraser, what an effort. Thanks very much. Um, how are you feeling? Um, not fantastic, but uh, I'm feeling. I think I think all the supportive messages and some of the donations that came in, and I think that's that makes it all worth it for sure. Just to get a gauge on how long your longest day was, when did you start and when did you finish? Uh, so started at five thirty a.m. and caught it at like twenty past nine. Just couldn't see anymore, so uh, unfortunately had to play the last like two holes in the dark because two fifty five sounded like a, a nicer number. <laughs> <laughs> Fraser, now obviously you're doing it for a wonderful cause, but I guess the question on everyone's lips here from a golfing point of view is did it get better or worse as the day went on your ability? There was like some real good patches where I, I must have looked like I'd only played like my first round of the day. And then there were some times it looked like I'd never held a golf club before. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
There was real big ups and downs. But, yeah, no, there was, there was quite a few, uh, like, birdies out there. I've got to total up some of those. And, uh, you know, it was, it was good. It was just that there wasn't a time for any break apart from when a thunderstorm came through. It stopped for, like, 20 minutes. But <laughs> maybe if uh, maybe if it was a bit nicer weather instead of this crazy wet summer we're having, I might have been able to get to 300. I think 255 is still a pretty phenomenal <laughs> effort. Um, what made you want to set such a wild target? So last year I did 200 holes and there was still daylight left and that's what I thought I'd do, 300. Uh, or try to try to get to 300 anyway. And it's more like for, for this, like if more people are talking about this, um, this cause and this activity that we're doing, if they're not donating to the cause and they're actually getting out and doing it, that's just more money for the society and just keeps growing it because it's been going for quite a few years now. It's, it's an awesome idea. Mm. An awesome idea, but do people tell you you're mental when you told them what you were trying to do? Yeah, yeah there was a lot of head shaking and stuff and I played through a few groups yesterday. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was fine. You know, you, you just got to do it once and yeah, maybe next year I'll, I'll rethink that though. <laughs> Fraser, what, uh, what course were you on yesterday? Uh, so I did it at Golf Harbour Country Club. Oh, yes. Yeah, so if anyone knows, like, it's quite yes. a bit longer. I reckon if I did it a, a smaller course, I could probably get around it. But um, I kind of like the idea of playing one ball and playing one hole at a time and actually linking it all together because the other idea is you could drop three balls on a hole and play all three yep. at the same time. But actually playing 255, 300 in a row just sounds sounds way more like a, the challenge is complete. Now, I don't think I'm presuming anything too silly here that you didn't walk, but I'd like to know how many easy-go carts did you have to go through? <laughs> like how, many batteries, how many batteries in the carts went through? Um, it was pretty good, actually. Well, I just got a new easy-go cart um, from those guys there. It did five rounds before it needed a charge. And then oh, brilliant. Swap, and that gave through, got through five, uh, no, sorry, four rounds. So then we ended up having like four, four cart swaps, three cart swaps during the day. That is Not solid. Bad. Have you, Not bad. <laughs> out of your 255 holes, is there any one shot that you will cherish the most? Um, oh, there's, uh, there's a couple of good ones out there. There was a couple playing through a few groups that I thought were like really good. I almost made a hole in one about four times, which would have been kind of oh. cool to make one oh. on the day. Oh. Like when I mean like really close, like we're talking like an inch away. Oh. Um, <laughs> I didn't make it past the ladies' tees once uh, later later in the day, so I do owe the guys who are helping me uh, a couple of rounds of whiskey, apart from that. We actually were talking to someone else who put on a, a bit of an endurance effort earlier in the show uh, with the sh- in the sharing shed, and he said after his effort he had cramp in places he didn't know that he could cramp, and I imagine actually yours was possibly similar. How much pain were you in? by the end of it last night? Oh, the last maybe like 18, maybe maybe even 36 holes, I was limping like bad. But I could like get out of the cart, get to the ball, and once I got to the ball, I still had a golf swing, which was which was pretty good. But um, yeah, when I got back home, um, I kind of just forgot that I live up three flights of stairs. I think that was probably the uh, the biggest battle, actually, <laughs> getting upstairs just to go to bed. <laughs> the stairs? Not, did you crawl? Uh, I, I grabbed the handrail quite a bit and just pulled myself up. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't think I left the couch for a bit. Thirty minutes after that, and that was even a miracle on its own.
Oh my gosh, what an effort. And like we've said, all for a good cause, the Cancer Society. So it would be remiss of me to not ask, how much have you managed to raise and can people still donate? Yeah, so I've raised just over $3,000. The donation pages are, are still open all the way through to the end of January. Uh, uh, everyone's still, some people are still completing their causes and such. And if you haven't um, done one and you want to give it a try, you've still got all that time uh, next month to, to do like a 72 holer or even if that's not quite you, just even a 36 holer. That is outstanding. Where can people, sorry, go to donate if they want to? Uh, so it's the longestday.org.nz and then my page is just Fraser Bond at the end. Well, congratulations, Fraser. A mammoth effort. I hope today is going to be dedicated to putting your feet up. Uh, no, actually, today's the work staff party, so I've got to go to whole <laughs> house, so. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll complete those extra holes as a mini putt, but I might need a lime scooter in there to get around. Uh, brilliant. That is a truly outstanding. Great effort, Fraser. Congratulations. Well done. Uh, all in the name of the Cancer Society. Uh, he mentioned there, head to the Longest Day Golf Challenge page where you can find links to donate to the various golfers. Uh, wonderful effort for a wonderful cause. Congrats, game. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Thanks very much, Jay. Eh? Dave, how many rounds do you reckon you could pull off in a day? Well, I could I could probably do that. It'd just be a matter of getting the leave pass. Um, so, you know, I'd love to have, I'd love to have played golf all day, but uh, I'm lucky to get nine holes uh, permission to leave at the moment. So, um, no, at, the, at this rate, uh, if I get a couple of 18s in over the uh, festive season, I'll be a very, very lucky man. Do you reckon you would get close to being able to play, say, 200, roll, 200 holes in a day? No, but for a wonderful cause like the Cancer Like if Society, it was for a cause, you know, you made yes. a day of it. Yes, but I mean, well, we made a day of Movember and, you know, wonderful True. cause. And uh, I had to put in uh, two months advance um, leave notice. Um, so, <laughs> you know, who knows? But uh, no, wonderful, wonderful cause and, and a wonderful initiative, by, uh, by I don't know if it was a golf mm. thing first or a cancer side of thing, but a wonderful initiative. And it's getting a lot of, a lot of people talking about it and a lot of people doing it. So, as I say, it's a, it's a wonderful cause. But uh, to be able to do that, one of life's great pleasures around the golf, and many of them, uh, what a combination. I can just imagine kind of going back, you know, because you were playing the same holes, obviously, over and over and yes. over again, and going back and... <laughs> You know, the par four that you're kind of hitting par on oh. at the start of the day, and by the end it's taking ten shots. Oh, no, but Gulf Harbour, it's not just a little chip and puck course. It is a tough course. Um, we, I played in Ambrose, uh, the Arthur Invitational there, which uh, raises money for mates in construction. I played that a few months ago there. And it's Ambrose, which makes life easy. And it was it was it was soul destroying for me playing Ambrose. I'd hate to think playing two hundred holes there by myself. How tough it would be. Um, so, <laughs> if no, you ever uh, want to try, I'll, I'll volunteer to drive the golf cart. Yes, that was another fascinating thing for me. He got five rounds out of his easy go to start with. That's, that's brilliant stuff. <laughs> Wonderful bachelor. <laughs> I did wonder where that uh, conversation was going to veer in the end. I was like, are we going to end up having a go kart chat? No. Uh, Excuse me. The go, golf sorry, cart. golf cart. What did I say? Go kart. Go kart. Classic. Uh, but obviously, you're not walking that, are you, Kim? You're not walking to a hole. So I, was oh, just... I think you would, though, Beef. You're an athlete. Uh, no, I would not. No, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> commit, man. Commit. We'll be right back. You're listening to Kim and Beef's Big Breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. 
8.24am and we've got some uh, quite cool news actually this morning. Justin Neville from CHB Earth Movers in Hawke's Bay has decided that in the Christmas spirit he wanted to put his Midas prize back up for grabs. So we've chosen a new winner for the Midas full premium car service prize, which is John Hillcock, who is off, get this beef, to Pukekura Park in Taranaki to see the Christmas lights. How good. Yeah, oh, fantastic. What a what, what a great gesture too. It's a lovely gesture, isn't it? Where would you be going? Summer roadie. Oh, Coromandel, I guess, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's a magnet for me. Love the Coromandel. Stop it. I tell you what, the uh, drive from Auckland down to Taranaki is actually quite a nice one as well. Like the first couple of hours, no. Excuse me? But Excuse the back me? end... What? The back end? Have you heard of Mount Messenger? Yeah, but it's nice. You enjoy that? I don't mind it. It's good views. Oh, still tormented as a kid going over that. Oh, really? Did you get yeah. quite sick in the car or something? No, nah, it was just... Oh, I can imagine it. Poor beef. No, just by the feeling time you, a bit icky in the back seat. By the time you get there, it's hour three and a half, four. You know, you've had enough by then. You've been fighting with your brother for the previous few hours. <laughs> and what's, what's, what's the gorge that you got to go through before Our you get to... Oakino Gorge before Mount Messenger. It's no, I can't pretty, believe you came came that's out pretty and said too. It's a wonderful job. But and you know you get to that part, the Moko Straits, when you're coming up to the coast, and then you're going down that coastline, and there's oh, it's yeah. actually it's one of my favourite 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 things to do, and I I don't get to drive off and home anymore because most of the time it's more expensive than flying now. Well, you've got your chopper, don't you? Uh, you yeah, got your oh, chopper. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got the yeah. uh, Stephen Donald private jet at my <laughs> disposal. Um, <laughs> no, but there's this spot uh, just before you hit Morco on the coast and there's a big kind of car parking area, truck stop type area to pull into. You pull into it and it looks directly, you know how that part of the coast curves around? And yes. it looks directly across to where New Plymouth is with the mountain in the background. So on a clear day, you've got these gorgeous cliffs around the coastline to Mount Taranaki. And it is just one of, when you're from Taranaki, one of the best views in the world. It is gorgeous. Favourite part of any roadie home. Well, lucky you're going to get to do that very, very soon. No, well, we've got to fly this time. Because we're oh, going, I know. Well, we, we have to. <laughs> well, no, because we're going uh, from Auckland to New Plymouth to Christchurch to um, spend time with Ollie's fam as well. So, such is life. Next such, time. Such is life. <laughs> uh, well, I've actually got family coming at, making that drive, and uh, I hope they have such passion for that drive uh, in the next couple of days. Yeah. And uh, they show up to the batch in good spirits um, because I don't want to have to deal with uh, people who are moaning about the Mount Messenger uh, <laughs> climbs because uh, I've now known someone that loves that drive. Well, it's it's Auckland to New Plymouth, not New Plymouth to Auckland, if that makes sense, because I think as well, oh. for me, when you hit mm. Mount Messenger, it's just a sign that you're I'm quite close. close to home. Yes. Yeah, whereas obviously when you hit it on the way back, it's admin. <laughs> no, one, we're talking, no one wants to deal with it. While we're talking all things Taranaki, mm. uh, went down there a few, probably a few months ago now, do a little hit with the uh, the Gins uh, retailers. I'm sorry, mm. the, Grins, the Grins retailers. We've just bought out a gin, of course. Um, and haven't you done a wonderful, you done a wonderful job with that airport? I haven't been in that airport for years. What a magnificent airport you've got there now. It is beautiful, isn't it? And it is hilarious that you say that because I know a few uh, of the good rate payers of Taranaki were not all that uh, enamoured by the expenditure yes. 
on that airport, so it is lovely to hear that it is being appreciated by mm. those outside of the region. No, no, no I love it. And uh, look, if it's bumped your rates up a bit, then it's unfortunate. But um, it also wasn't it built at the start of COVID, which also... Yeah, yeah bad, terrible up. timing. Yeah. Terrible timing. I think it was... Oh, if memory serves, it was kind of in place and ready for its grand opening about when COVID hit and everyone went into lockdown. Mm, Very sure. similar timing. Um, Scott, four-hour drive from Hamilton to New Plymouth with all the road we- uh, with all the roadworks. Scott, that's four hours. Oh, that's brutal. That mm. is pretty brutal. That would normally be about three and a half because I'd 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 allow four and a half from Auckland five if you stop at the uh, Fat Pigeon and Peel Peel on the way. Yeah, we've done a few bus trips over the years down from Hamilton to, to New Plymouth. Coming back always, we had a couple of butte coming backs uh, from New Plymouth. Uh, wonderful bus trips. <laughs> Enjoyable in the sense that you'd just won a rugby game, is that what you mean? Just won a rugby and game. And you're celebrating. And, and it was a Friday Friday nights and you had the weekend off. Very, very good way to pass the hours. Well, going up Mount Messenger, celebrating on a bus. Yeah, well, look, Mount Messenger's, <laughs> never felt, Mount Messenger's never felt so good when you come back over the hill of the bus. <laughs> oh, I can't think of much worse, to be perfectly honest. Ah, yet again, we find ourselves at different, mm. on different sides of an opinion. So strange. So strange. How does that happen? We'll figure it out during the news with Aroha. Vodafone has one awesome summer of sport lined up for you. Making SENZ news this hour, Gloria Bowles applied to the Employment Court to represent itself, saying it can't afford to pay a legal team. Storms in Hawaii have left the islands battered and around 2,000 people with no electricity. Multiple roads are closed and there's flooding. Meanwhile, in Northern California, a strong earthquake shaken parts of the region, jolting people awake, cutting off power to thousands and leaving buildings and roads damaged. Two people have been injured. And Trade Me's most popular auctions have been revealed. The arrogant prick transcript, a spoat or spa boat, and a phallic carrot in the top three. SENZ Radio.NZ Sport next. Izzy and Kempe, powered by Kubota and its range of construction, agriculture and implement machinery. Tournament organisers say they're stoked tennis superstar Venus Williams has been confirmed for next year's ASB Classic in Auckland. And England's become the first team to complete a 3-0 series sweep in Pakistan with their eight-wicket victory in the third and final match in Karachi. More inside 30 on SENZ. All the big moments from the world of sport. SENZ Radio.NZ. Brought to you by Crown Forklifts. There's nothing like a new crown, simply the best. Auckland weather, reasonably fine, but the chance of a shower or two this afternoon, nor'easterly is developing, a high of 25, dropping to a low of 16. Catch live commentary of New Zealand taking on Pakistan in their first test in Karachi on Boxing Day on SENZ, or catch it on the SENZ app. Get that fertiliser ready, it's Joey's Dirt. Ah, here we go, guys. Um, so I took out Harborside yesterday, and it's been scratched. Oh, I know, I know. I've been looking for it all morning. Yep, yep. No, I, look, it's because, obviously, 
it wasn't confident it was going to get the win and it didn't want to let me down. So they were like, let's let's leave it till New Year's. Let, let's give him a win on New Year's Day. So great, great decision. Thank you so much. Um, instead, I'm going to go to someone else that's let me down recently. It's uh, <gasps> Bella Rose. Uh, Bella Rose, I've been tapping for the past uh, four or five months um, since it got a win in the trials and it's lost every single time. Really badly, actually. And it's, it's often been favourite. A favourite. And it's come like eighth or ninth. And it continues. It's great. It's a really... Sorry, not great, but it's a good horse. It's out of the Pittman stable. Um, it's four dollars right now, but its last placings it came seventh. It's got an eighth, a fifth, an eighth. It's not looking great, but I just have faith in it. I don't know why. I just um, I love roses. I love uh, Bella's my favorite princess. Uh, I I just have a, the Pittman stable. I, I back them all the time, and usually they deliver. So Bella Rose, race five, number ten, Ashburton. I wouldn't put the house on it, but maybe chuck a dollar. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's your love racing update, by the way. Joe, one thing I am loving on this show and being on breakfast this week is that I can always count on you to come out with something incredibly random, like Bella's my favourite princess. Yeah, yeah no, I, I don't know. She, I just always had a crush on her uh, growing <laughs> up. But, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go into it, but yeah. Taking your phone calls on the Kenneth's higher phone line, who's your favourite princess? Chosen's Bell, any competition? I just think she's underrated and people forget about her. I guess that's what it is. Yeah, people always like go Cinderella or Rapunzel or I don't know, what's another princess? Ariel? Ariel's another one, you know? I don't rate yeah. it. Can I just ask, what, what, uh, what fame is Bella princess of? Uh, Beauty and the Beast. That's Beauty Belle. And the Beast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, that's Belle to you, babe. <laughs> that's oh, Belle. Sorry. sorry. Apologies. I, um, and oh, what's her name? Um, Emma um, from Harry Potter. Emma. Oh, Emma Watson. Emma Watson. Emma Watson played her, and I've got a massive crush on Emma Watson. So <laughs> that was really it for me. She, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm set. So, anyways, I that, that, that was quite a recent version, though. No, I know, I know, Joe. I know. So I had a crush on Bella, the cartoon character, as a kid. And then I had a crush on Emma Watson as an adult. Anyways, what's uh, good, good to see you guys. <laughs> fascinating, fascinating character, this uh, this Joe, isn't he? He's really an onion. Why don't you start peeling him back? We've learned that he's a gridiron player this morning, which if you've seen Joe in the flesh, uh, wonderfully handsome man, but he'd be 65 kgs dripping wet. And he's he's talking about being a linebacker. Um <laughs> Now he's telling us a wonderful tipster. We've we've known this, and now he's telling us about his princess life. I tell you what, there's so many layers to him, isn't there? Kim? Yeah, and I am absolutely loving it. Surely you've got a favourite princess, babe. Surely. Um, well, we're we're massive on is it Elsa? Elsa. Oh yeah, Frozen. Yeah. Of course. Elsa's a big deal in our house. Uh, mine would be, I think she becomes a princess eventually. Oh, trying to remember now. Uh, but Mulan was mine. Warrior, more than a princess. Uh, which? Oh, Xena. No. Mulan. Lucy. Have you never seen Mulan? <laughs> Come on. It's one of the all-time great animations. Uh, uh, young Chinese just... girl substitutes into the army for her father because they're calling up a man from every uh, family to go and fight in this war. And her dad's old and she doesn't want him to get hurt. So she pretends to be a man and goes and becomes the best soldier of them all. Best warrior of oh, them all. Brilliant. Here I was thinking it was another Harry Potter. 
take off but uh, no, no 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 I'm not sure if there were they did do a live action uh, remake of Mulan a couple of years ago directed actually by a New Zealander Nikki Caro uh, but I don't believe there were any Harry Potter connections could be mistaken haven't looked into it that deeply have not done my research I will admit so it wasn't made of matter matter that's what you're telling me <laughs> <laughs> no, no, babe. It was not the incredibly uh, popular and notable Lord of the Rings films gotcha. that were, as you say, made in much matter in one location. Hobbiton was down there. It was other known as Hobbiton now, correct? Correct. I actually saw at some stage that you can now book in and stay there, but that's a whole. Another story. Uh, it was also made, though, across, like, Mount Ruapehu was quite a big location oh, for beautiful. it. beautiful. Yeah, so that was uh, what substituted in as Mount Doom. So to give you some context, I had, like, a Lord of the Rings location guide book when I was little because I loved it. So How, how little? Oh, uh, The first one came out when I was, I think, 10 or 11. And from that point on, for the second and third ones... I started going uh, to the midnight screenings of the premieres and things, the local premieres, and, you know, my best friend and I would go and... Dressed up, please. Uh, dressed not up. dressed up. like Well, no, not dressed up. I kind of wanted to, but it just it never quite happened. We would sneak our own snacks in in the backpacks, though. Um, and also, just while we're here, just give a shout-out. As you know, Beef here at these NZ offices, we have a wonderful little cafe right next to us. So it's a big building in the central part of it as a cafe. And I was wondering who you were thinking so much live on here. <laughs> um, no, and, and the owner and, I mean, I think he does everything, has just, I went and ordered a smoothie in the air break, but I didn't want to have the same issue as yesterday, which was that I was too busy picking it up to be back on here when I was due on here. And he's just delivered it to me in studio. So massive shout out. Thank you. You, you won't meet a better cafe owner. No, no. Absolute champion. Uh, also a text in here. Joe needs help. Who has crushes on cartoon characters? Sorry, Joe. It's actually very common. Like, uh, <laughs> it actually is. Like, I saw a Reddit thread about it. Everyone has a cartoon crush. What's your cartoon crush, Beef? No, I was going to say it's very common if there's a thread for people who have the crush to then be thread people. <laughs> <laughs> That's so I th- true. I, th- I think if you... It's a small community you're running there, Joe. But look, um, yeah, when I was growing up, I think there's probably a couple that caught my eye, um, but um, none that I'm going to dive into now on uh, on live on radio. Please I mean, dive I've in. Gi- I've given you Jennifer Aniston. Um, obviously, she was in the cartoon, but um, she's done some animated movies so probably any character that she's voiced over what animated movies has she done oh, not to every, put you on the spot yeah well you have um, <laughs> and, and, and everyone goes down that path at some point in their career no entirely fair oh gosh joe honestly i don't think we're going to forget this one in a hurry this is quality content that you bring to kim and beeves Big Bricky this week. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. 8.44am and that's a very fitting choice of music from the producing team, Joe and Neeps, here on Kim and Beeves Big Bricky. Because while we often talk a lot of sport on a national basis, we do know that really what goes on in the community is what is at the heart of all of it. And one man who knows that all too well is the outgoing CEO.
CEO of Sport Otago, John Brimble, who has been at the helm and is now hanging up the boots after 15 years there. John, thank you for joining us this morning. Congratulations on your time at Sport Otago. Can you just start by telling us a little bit about what the organisation actually does in the community? Oh, thanks, Kim. Uh, pleasure. Uh, I guess Sport Otago um, is really about promoting physical activity uh, to encourage people to have a lifelong love of being active. And that contributes to community well-being. So our focus is working with our communities right across Otago uh, to help them identify what their needs are and then working with them to address those needs. So it's not a one-shoe-fits-all approach. Each community is different and we really have to reflect what they require. So a big emphasis for us has been working with youth. Uh, we do a lot of work in primary schools to embed um, a love of physical activity, which then uh, develops a lifelong love of um, being active. Uh, and we know that through lifestyle changes, um, people will drift in and out of being active over the course of their life. But if we can embed those principles at a young age, then we know that that will benefit people um, as, as they age, as they go forward in life. We also do a lot of work in the secondary school space. Um, working off the work that Des Smith did, um, we created um, sports councils in all our secondary schools. And those sports councils have embedded physical activity um, within each of the secondary schools across Otago. And I think that, that's one of the reasons that we have the highest participation rates of any region in New Zealand. John, just... Um, oh, sorry, carry on, mate. That's all right, Stephen, go ahead. No, I was just saying that what you were talking about there at the start around the, the community and and the aspect of getting sport involved in the youngsters, does it... I know we're, we're a captured audience because we all love sport here, but does it continue to blow you away the impact and the importance that sport can have in the community and flow on to people's lives, which is not necessarily sport-related, but the lessons that they learn by being a part of sport or being active can, can have it. You must have seen it all from that point of view. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, we've, we've got to accept that uh, COVID's had a major impact on our society at the moment. And what we're seeing is that with sport getting up and, and going pretty quickly down here, um, the benefits that that's um, provided to our youth in terms of their mental well-being, um, just getting out and being active, being physical, mixing with their friends, uh, which they've missed over that period of time. It, it's been a huge benefit, and that's flowed into the classroom. So, uh, yeah, I agree entirely with what you've just said. 15 years, John, it's a long time. What are, you, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in sport in that period? Certainly the emergence of um, um, the franchises, um, where there's um, sort of a, a pathway now for a lot of our youth going through. Um, a lot of our youth would have flowed into club football, club rugby, club hockey. Um, they're now on a fast track where they can leave school, they go straight into academy, straight into that elite level. And for some, I think that's probably a bit too soon, a bit too quick. We haven't necessarily built the infrastructure around them to actually support them to the extent that it's probably necessary. Um, I guess the other change is um, just the, the variety that's now available when you look at sport and active recreation and the growth of um, casual sport. 
um, where a lot of our youth and, in fact, people of all ages can now just choose what they want to do, when they want to do it, at their own time, their own pace, uh, without necessarily having to join a club or, or pay a subscription. So a huge growth in biking, um, just running, um, um, swimming, you know, a whole range of different activities that 20 years ago we would never have probably thought about or participated mm. in. And that's been good for the overall population. John, you mentioned uh, one of the big changes, obviously, the franchise and I guess the the fast track that you know plenty of sports now have for for the ones coming out of school and and what have you is there is there any fears you leave the post as far as what's happening to the ones that aren't necessarily going to be our next uh, Highlander or you know next Southern Steel or whatever as far as sports goes that they still have a, a vehicle to enjoy their sport as far as I guess our club our club sports in whatever sport that may be yes yeah um we're doing a lot of work in that secondary school space uh, where you'll be aware there's quite a, a high dropout once they get to about 16, 17, 18 onwards. Um, one of the reasons for that that we've identified through actually talking to the students and getting their feedback direct without it being filtered by adults is that they just want to get out, play with their mates, have fun and just enjoy themselves. So that's reflected in a huge growth in social sports. So, you know, an example would be basketball, which is sort of really blown out in terms of numbers down here and the number of teams. Um, but you could have 10, 12, 15 players in your team and maybe only six or seven turn up each time they want to play. It might be a different six or seven. They don't have to train, but it's more about the social side, the networking, just enjoying playing with your friends. So... Yeah, one of the big changes is just encouraging the sports to actually look and how they can actually meet the needs of their communities by being more uh, adaptive, being more flexible, being nimble in terms of how they structure their competitions and the type of competition they offer. And just uh, quickly, John, before we let you go, reading some of the things you've said in the past, am I right in saying that you once coached Ben Smith? Yes, that's right. Yep, Kings High School. Uh, at that stage, he was a halfback. Um, but in those days, um, a game breaker. You know, he certainly made a difference. Um, he was a natural leader. Uh, he could lift the team. Uh, I think with Ben, he was just one of those uh, young men that had insight. He could read a game and he could adapt his play and lead the team to make the changes on the field. Um, and that flowed through into his elite career. So he'd also be one of the nicest people you could ever meet. Oh, I think Beeve would second that, wouldn't you, mate? Absolutely. one of the great men. Great men. Oh, John, thank you so very much for your time. Congratulations again on a wonderful time with Sport Otago there. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us as well about the wonderful work that you have been doing and good luck for whatever the future holds. Oh, thank you very much, and, and well done to you for promoting sport and activity through the radio. Really appreciate the work you guys do. Oh, thank you, mate. No, we, we love it, and we all know grassroots uh, is where everything begins and where the most important sport is often played. We'll be right back. Two minutes to nine here on SENZ. Beave uh, about to depart 
us actually for the next hour. But before you get going, Beave, good text in here for you. Morning, guys. Hey, Beaver. You're going to get out for a fish these holidays. Some nice snaps about at the moment. Cheers. Have a nice Christmas and great New Year, guys. From Graham from Marlborough, formerly from Northland. Cheers, Graham. Yeah, that's the plan. I haven't been able to get out as of yet uh, due to due to work commitments, but uh, that is certainly the plan. The boat is waiting. I cannot wait to get out in the water. Uh, no, my luck. Once it's Christmas and New Year, the fish, uh, the snappers shut their mouths. Um, but uh, well, let's hope they let's hope they're still going. But cannot wait to get out on the water again. Looking forward to it. Uh, and another one here from James. Really, this is for you, Joe. Uh, anonymous here, lol. I was laughing at Joe at first, but one childhood memory stuck with me. I'm ashamed to say it. Jessica Rabbit. Oh, good taste. <laughs> <laughs> Talking earlier about Joe's princess crush Belle from Beauty and the Beast, the cartoon, and, yes. the, and the Emma Watson remake. And the threads that Joe's on. Uh, <laughs> Je- Jeff, I see your text. Hang in there, mate. Something could be in the pipeline very, very soon. Jeff's asking about new greens no, flavours. Yeah, about new greens flavours. <laughs> and of course, of course, we've just released only a week old the gin, so you know. But yeah, look, hang in there, Jeff. There's something that'll tick your box, I'd imagine. Looking forward to trying it, Beef, since that was my uh, wee Chrissy present, and I thank you for that. Uh, very excited. Coming up after the news, we are going to be talking to ASB Classic Tournament Director Nicholas Lamperin. First here, though, here's first though, here's Aroha with Kubota building and shaping the future. Aotearoa, 9.04am here on Kim and Beeb's Big Breakfast on ECNZ. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It is an absolute pleasure to be with you. I was just laughing during that news break actually, hearing about the Argentina footy team shirts off in 29 degree heat in what sound like some seriously raucous celebrations through the streets of Buenos Aires. Uh, I think earlier today we talked to rugby journalist in Argentina, though, Zuka Conti, who has been out and about in the celebrations, particularly on Monday morning our time when Argentina did win that final. And if you want to go back and have a listen, he gave he gave a really, really good feel for the passion that is running through that country at the moment, for the atmosphere there, which just seems absolutely electric. It just sounds like incredible scenes. So Zuka Conti, uh, that available, of course, on our podcast. Do go and have a listen. It is well worth it if you want a taste of just what it is like being in Argentina at the moment. Also today, some very good news through in the last couple of hours, and that is following speculation 
that Venus Williams, the tennis superstar, will be given a wild card into the ASB Classic draw to come back to Auckland where she has been several times before. That news this, this morning confirmed by tournament director Nicholas Lamperin, who joins me now. Nicholas, thank you so very much for your time. Congratulations on another wonderful get for this tournament. Brilliant news. When did you get the news? Hi, good morning. Um, we had some um, initial discussion about a month ago, um, and basically we, we received a phone call from um, Venus' agent uh, telling us that you know she was uh, training really hard and, and thinking of playing the uh, Australian Open swing. So um, a decision was very much based on um, you know whether she could get the, the Mendel World Cup at the Australian Open. Mm. Um, so as soon as we got that confirmation, you know, we, we had some more discussions and then we, um, we decided to, uh, to give her the wild card. So that, that will be um, uh, a tournament that she can play to prepare uh, before going to Australia and, and play the Australian Open that she won um, two years, uh, two, twice already. So when you did hear that she was getting the wild card for Melbourne, did it feel like all of your Christmases had come at once? Well, I knew uh, I knew at the end of last week, um, but obviously we had to respect the fact that Tennis Australia wanted to announce on Monday. Um, so yeah, the, the the excitement's been building up for the last few days as we we knew this was this this was coming. It must be nice then to finally make the announcement after the speculation of the last couple of days. Yeah, it's always a bit of a relief, you know. When when think, for me, when when it's not confirmed, it's not done yet. So to be able to um, you know, send that press release this morning, uh, it feels, uh, feels extra, extra special. Oh, I bet it does. And I also wanted to talk to you about why she's coming back here. Obviously, there is the practical side of it, of wanting a warm-up tournament for this Australian Open. But do you get the feeling with Venus as well, there's also quite a personal attachment to this tournament? I think so. You know, she, she has a bit of a history with the tournament. Uh, she reached the final once, then she won the, the following year. Um, I think she has a, a very good connection with, with, with the city and, and the tournament. Um, so, and, and, and she's not done with, with, her, with her tennis career. So mm. she's at a, at a point in her life when she, she can decide when and where she wants to play. <clears throat> so for sure, um, Auckland sits on, on top of the list. When it comes to that, though, do you think this will potentially or likely be the last time we will get to see her here? I and mean, it's hard to say. We, you know, we, we've been saying this for, for the last five years with, with Venus. So she's 42 years old. She's still very much dedicated to the sport. Um, you know, she was very upset when she lost uh, first round at the US Open. She was back on the court the next day. And I and, and, and know she's been training every day ever since. So, um, I mean, she, she's the only one who could you know, te- technically answer answer that question, but I wouldn't be surprised if she was uh, going to continue for, for a few more um, months. Mm. Like you mentioned, she's 42 years old now, had a phenomenal year. It is still amazing to me that she does keep coming back here and we get to see a player of her calibre, of her superstar power on our shores. Can you... You know tennis. Can you give us some insight into just how remarkable it is that she has managed to have that sort of longevity in the sport? Yeah, it's it's extremely difficult in tennis to 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 last that long uh, because the the, the travelling part actually takes 
takes a lot out of you. Um, you know, when you're out of your uh, home and comforting for 11 months every year, and you do this for like 20 to 25 years, it, it, it's a lot. I think someone like Venus, uh, she uh, organized her career in a, in a bit of a different way. She was always focusing on, on, on the biggest tournament. So she was saving that energy, which is probably why she managed to last longer than, than most players on tour. Now, I know in your position, you probably can't play favourites. And this is an amazing women's draw that you've put together, not just Venus, but Emma Raducanu and Sloane Stephens and, Sto- and Coco Goff and Kennan. But given the last time the ASB Classic was held, it was Serena holding that trophy aloft. How much would you love it if Venus was to defy the odds and manage to win here? I mean, that would, that would be a remarkable story and it would be great to, to be able to stage that, that story. Um, but, you know, the, the, the level is extremely high. Uh, all, all the girls are extremely competitive. You know, when, when they start week one, they've been coming from off-season, so they've been training really hard for you know, six to eight weeks. Um, so it, it's impossible to make any kind of predictions. Mm. Uh, what sort of welcome would you like to see her get when she comes back here? Well, I just hope that, you know, the, the, the crowd will, will support her 100% and, and, and will get behind her. But to be honest, I, I have no doubt that, that it will be the case. You know, she, she has a special re- relationship with the place. Um, she's uh, one of the biggest legends of the game. So I'm 100% convinced that the, all the fans will be, uh, will be behind her. Mm. I suspect you may be very correct there, Nicholas. And more broadly for you, I mean, there's not long to go now until this whole event kicks off January 2nd. How is preparation going? Everything's going well. Uh, in my schedule, it's actually uh, December 31st, you know, when we, we start the, the, the qualies. And, um, and the qualies will be extra special also this year because we have the you know, someone like Eugenie Bouchard, who was a former mm. number, world number four, and she, she, she'll be competing in the, in the qualies, which, which is a testimony of the, the, the strength of the draw we are, we are putting this year. So um, everything's on track. Um, we got a little bit delayed uh, probably last week because of the weather, and, you know, we had to redo all the courts. But now we're glad to see that the sun is back, and, um, and, uh, and we're looking forward to uh, continue our preparation and, and be ready for December 31st. Mm, how much has the weather impacted things? Not so much. You know, it, was, it was just a matter of you know, days here and then, but we, you know, we always have a, a little bit of margin. Uh, but we're glad to see that the, the, the sun was back and that we, we should uh, continue to, to get ready for the tournament. Mm. And it does feel a long time coming, of course, given the fact that we haven't had the tournament now since 2020. So how are things like ticket sales going? Are you getting a sense of excitement building for this? Yeah, I mean, ticket sales have, have been going through the roof uh, since, we, since we started. Um, I believe that we could be sold out by the, by the time the tournament starts. There was still a, a few uh, slow sessions at the, at the start of the Women's Week. But I, I would really encourage people to look at the first three days of the Women's Week, mm. the Monday to Wednesday, because you are 100% guaranteed to see all, all, all the best players. Um, you know, the like of uh, Emma Raducanu, you know, Sloan, 
Coco uh, Gauff, Venus will be there, Sophia Kenin. You know, all, all of them will be will be playing on these days. So um, it's it's definitely a, a great time uh, to come uh, and watch the tournament. What are you looking forward to the most? Uh, you know, just just to the for the event to get to get started. You know, as soon as the the, the players land in Auckland and you know, they come to the side, they start practicing, then everything becomes a bit more real. Um, right now, you know, we're just fine tuning all the preparations. But as soon as you you see the players walk walking through the through the players' lounge, like, you know that the, the event is on, and and you just want to make sure that they have the best time and, and we de- deliver. Uh, a great tournament. Um, you know, there's, there's always some great expectations around this event because the, the, the previous team has done an, a great mm-hmm. job, and and we want to make sure that we uh, we, we continue on, on that path. And uh, so we're, we're extremely happy with uh, where where things are at uh, at this point of our preparations. Yeah, as you should be. I mean, I think a lot of the focus, understandably so, given some of the names at hand, has been on the women's draw, but the men's side of things is also shaping up incredibly well. Uh, and for me personally, I'm probably most excited to see Cam Norrie back in Auckland. Are you getting a sense that that's what other people are pretty pumped for as well? Yeah, you know, Cam Cam is, is almost a Kiwi. You know, he, he grew up in New Zealand. He was uh, trained in New Zealand. This is where he learned, he, he learned the game. Um, he still has, a, you know, his family lives there, still has a lot of friends. And, and the fact that he's coming back to Auckland with, um, you know, having reached the semi-final at Wimbledon, winning Indian Wells last year, this is probably the, the, the best form of his life. So, um, you know, if Cam could go all the way in, in Auckland, that would be that would probably be extra extra special for for him, but also for for her as a as a tournament. No doubt. And I do need to ask as well, uh, because I think one of the funny things about this tournament is quite often. Obviously, it means that the players are training over Christmas. You will probably be quite busy over Christmas. And while the rest of us are winding down, you're probably just ramping right up, are you? Uh, yes, there's not going to be much time for <laughs> celebration this year. Uh, I think I think we'll look at doing this uh, probably from you know January 15th once everything's over. But yeah, as of today, we're like 100% focused on making sure all, all is ready for, for the tournament to start. So do you maybe just move Christmas a month in your mind? January 25th, say, that sounds like a good time after the tournament finishes to be able to take a breather, go off on the yeah, holiday. No, not, not, not sure what my kids will, will tell me. Uh, <laughs> not sure they would, they would agree to that. But yeah, it would, be, it would probably be easier for me. Oh, no doubt. Um, and I've been tossing up in my head while we've been talking about whether to ask you this next question um, and I may end up regretting it, but you are French. How are you feeling in the wake of the final on Monday morning? I was expecting that question. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually feeling pretty good, um, only because I think it was an, it was an unbelievable final, and, and finals are normally quite boring, especially in World Cup. So to be able to, to see this, uh, the, the, this this match between two, you know, legends of the game, you know, Messi on one side and Mbappe on the other side. I think it was it was really something that I'm glad I could I could witness uh, live. You know, my my oldest kid is, is seven. He he insisted on uh, being awake at four, four o'clock in the morning, so we watched it together. Um, and that's you know probably something that that will stay with me for many many years. So 
Um, I don't really mind the result. Um, well done to Argentina. They deserve the win. Uh, but I'm glad I could actually witness that, that, that match. Yeah, it is kind of funny in these ones, isn't it? I think in hindsight, many Kiwis might feel that way as well after the 2019 Cricket World Cup final, which was also, I mean, very, very close. It ended in a tie. Um, but sometimes you do just have to appreciate the sheer spectacle that it was. I hope you've managed to catch up on sleep since then, though. Uh, kind of. I'm still uh, having late, late phone calls. Um, but no, it's been, uh, it, it, was, it was good to watch. And, uh, and, and again, well, well done to Argentina. And it, I think it's, uh, you know, for someone like Leo Messi to win the World Cup at 35 years old, you know, it really shows that he's, he's probably one of the, the best to have ever played the game. So yeah, well, well done to all of them. Mm, and uh, the future of your team, you would think, in very good hands under Kylian Mbappe. Well, I would think so. Um, you know, he's uh, he's one of the top talent, and and to be able to do what what, what is done in a in a World Cup final, uh, no not many people can say can say that they, they, they could do this one day. So, I think the the the, the future for that team is is looking pretty pretty bright. Oh, Nicholas, you're an absolute champion, not least for uh, being a good sport with my football questions on what a what a great day uh, for the tennis. And we are here, of course, to talk about the tennis. So congratulations again uh, on securing Venus Williams for another year. Really, really looking forward to the tournament. I have a good feeling about it. Fingers crossed the weather clears up properly for you uh, and we can just get a full couple of weeks of action. Sounds good. Thanks very much. Thank you so much. Oh, what great chat he is. Great sport of him as well to come on to the show uh, at quite short notice, you would say. But that's what good news brings, I suppose. Do you think I was uh, crossing the line to ask him about the football? Was that bad? No, you had to get a perspective, Kim, didn't you? You had (laughs) to get a perspective. Well, we had the Argentina perspective this morning and I just thought this is balanced. It's very even journalism. journalism. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all for it, Kim. Okay, thanks, Noobs. I appreciate that. I kind of, I don't know if you could tell, but I almost felt bad as I was asking the question. But like you said, he was expecting it. I so think it's fine. I think everyone feels the same way, apart from you know some of the diehard French fans. But even because I'm not the massivest football football fan in the world, but just watching that final was absolutely amazing. You felt like you're witnessing history while you're watching it. Oh, very much so. And we'll all remember it, won't we? And it will always go down. Like I said, it's a hard one, but because of the sheer spectacle, it will always go down as probably the greatest or one of the greatest World Cup finals that any of us will probably see. And unfortunately, there has to be a loser. That's how sport works. So that's what it is. Anyway, time to take a wee break while I recover from being mean. Yes, it is 9.25am here on Kim and Beeves Big Bricky with Kim at the moment. And some interesting news just to hand, actually, uh, as we keep an eye on all things rugby leading into the World Cup. You might remember that yesterday Steve Borthwick was formally, or day before, uh, formally confirmed as England's new head coach replacing Eddie Jones. So his first match in charge of England is against Scotland at Twickenham on February the 4th. And the interesting note here, according to uh, Ollie Ritchie, who is the rugby reporter for News Hub, they will have all Kiwi officials for that game. So the referee will be Paul Williams, the ARs Ben O'Keefe and James Dolman, and the TMO is Brendan Pickerel. 
So that'll be a little uh, fun Kiwi inclusion for your England-Scotland kickoff on February the 4th. Gosh, things ramp up pretty early in the year, don't they? Although... Winter. Winter in the Northern Hemisphere. I'm getting my uh, seasons confused. Don't worry about me. It uh, will be very interesting to watch, though, and see how that England team progresses leading into the World Cup, which, of course, kicks off in September. But right now, we are more concerned with things that are kicking off oh, today, or continuing on today, with the TAB. Paul Mawari is with me now. Paul, what is going on today? Uh, well, it's that time of the year where it's college football uh, bowl season, and we've had a $9,000 bet on over 10 points in the first quarter at $1.61 in the uh, match between San Jose State and Eastern Michigan. And they're of, they are, of course, playing for the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Um, I, it's, it's, Sorry? It's the I know, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. It's I, I, it's almost like Oprah Winfrey. Everyone gets a bowl these days. You can have a bowl. You can have a bowl. So, someone's, anyway, someone's had a bit of a go on this game. Over 10 points in the first quarter at $1.61, $9,000 placed in the match between San Jose State and Eastern Michigan. Goodness me, I'm surprised they haven't called it the Super Potato Bowl or something. That would have been enjoyable. Um, elsewhere, we've also got, while well, we're in the American sporting stakes here, uh, NBA. Now, my interest here is I was keeping an eye on uh, that Denver Nuggets-Memphis Grizzlies game this afternoon anyway. Interesting to see the Nuggets just are actually the favourites. They are slight favourites. The Nuggets at a dollar eighty-five. The Grizzlies a dollar ninety. Now the bookies have put out a boosted odds option here: a Jamorant to score thirty or more points, and Jokic to record a triple double. Was seven dollars out to eight dollars now. Now Jokic, uh, if I remember correctly, I think it was against the Lakers a few days yeah. ago. He's easily recorded a triple double. He is, uh, in fact, I think he's averaging. Uh, he may be one assist away from averaging a triple-double so far this season. So he's on absolute fire in terms of his play for the Denver Nuggets. And as we know, Ja Morant lights it up pretty much just about every single night for the Grizzlies. So the bookies have put both of them together. Ja Morant, 30 or more points. Uh, Jokic, a triple-double, out to $8. And that has proved fairly popular with punters so far. Mm, I can understand that. We'll be hoping that once Stephen Adams manages to uh, lock down Djokic a bit. Uh, I think he's played, he put up something like 40 points, 27 rebounds and 10 assists the other day in that game against the Lakers. Just unreal. That, that, those are ridiculous stats. Um, and don't forget the PDC World Darts Championship continues on this morning. Uh, and in, uh, what, an hour or two, we'll see Fallon Sherrick take on Ricky Evans, Ricky Evans, the favourite there. He's a dollar twenty, uh, or around a dollar twenty, dollar twenty-one, and Fallon Sherrick four dollars to win that match. Oh, good stuff. We'll be good to keep an eye, a close eye on the World Darts Championship uh, as the month progresses. Paul Moade from the TAB, thank you so very much for your time. Promotions in play in hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. That is R18. 
Da's little talking will go for a walk is the hope of Janice and Jen. And mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Everywhere you go, there's a tree in the ground. 27 to 10, Kim and B for breakfast. Beaver's gone off to tend to the children. Man, I do not want to be a father. I mean, I do want to be a father at some point, I think. We'll see. But uh, he seems to be a very, very busy man with the kids, you know. I do not envy him, thank God. I've got my freedom. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Before we were talking about how um, a new amendment to the FIA uh, sporting code has meant that uh, Formula One drivers will not be able to freely make political statements. They'll have to check with them first. Um, Racing Pride co-founder Richard Morris summed it up, I think, best on Twitter. As ever, the question will be, what's considered to be a political or personal statement? And that's hugely unclear. What I can tell you is that I'm an FIA licensed driver, but also a human, and I won't stop believing in promoting and talking about equality. I think that's probably the best way you can put it. It's, it, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they literally just put an amendment and I don't think they've officially commented or talked about it yet, so it'll mm. be interesting to see where the story leads. But um, we might actually t- uh, touch on it with Ben Hunt tomorrow. He's a friend of ours on the show, a Formula One and football correspondent, and I know he's got some thoughts on it. So, yeah, we'll try to get him on tomorrow. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. It is a really interesting one as well, and I think we were talking in an ad break at one point. The FIA and these organisations sometimes... I think they just shoot themselves in the foot trying to go backwards and this may be an example of that but it's just a weird situation that you've got where they're asking a lot of these guys for incredible access as well to their lives for their Drive to Survive series on Netflix and they want to have cameras on them all the time and know everything that is going on and then when it comes to something that these guys hold so valuable that they are willing to make some sort of statement on this sort of stage, suddenly they're going, no, it's just, it's very, very strange to me. And not to mention the fact that the people like Lewis, who have taken stands on social issues in the past, they're going to cop it anyway, because there will always be people who disagree with them. So they're already putting themselves in a position where they know that they are going to cop a huge amount of heat regardless. It's just... Strange. Well, it makes no sense with Drive to Survive as well. I mean, like, are they going to sense everything they're saying? I mean, you're right. Isn't it about like getting personal and and connecting with the drivers? I don't really understand the concept at all. Maybe they saw what happened with FIFA and said, uh, "Look, like we can uh, have ha- have a product that people like enjoy and stuff, but put like their political opinions to aside and, and show mm-hmm. our strength because eventually, because like at the end of the day, we are the power and they have to listen to us. I'm not sure, but mm. it's very odd." And again, a lot will lie in the kind of definition of what is a personal and political statement, like mm. what actually has to go through the uh, the official channels here, what has to get permission to be able to be said or to be worn or to be displayed. Mm, strange times. Anyway, we're also going to catch up. <laughs> hey, I'm looking forward to chatting uh, to Ben Hunt with his thoughts. If we can get him on tomorrow morning, that'll be fascinating. Uh, but we also did want to check in with you, Neeps, this morning, because it's actually your last I show know. of the year. 
How about it, eh? Oh my goodness, you are so close. You must be almost. You must have a foot out the door. Yeah, at this I'm, stage. I'm. I'm crawling. You know, <laughs> like I'm. I'm barely scraping myself over the line. But no, very much looking forward to getting back home to Invercargill, seeing my oh, two dogs, Jasper yay. and Haley. Um, my sisters, yeah, they're all right. And my parents, that'll be cool too. Um, no, I'm just looking forward to getting on the barbecue around Christmas time and, yeah, enjoying home. I haven't been home for six months now, so it's been a long time. Oh, that does feel like a long time. Yeah. We were in the bit of a year in review stage of proceedings, I think, on shows at the moment. So let's year in review you, eh? What's been your uh, either your personal highlight or your sporting highlight or both? Um... Personal highlight was, I think. I think for me, the the biggest thing was getting better at what I'm already doing. Because last year, I obviously started ECNZ. I, I was with our wonderful afternoon show with um, Sam and Steffi. Then I got the opportunity to, to jump over to this show and work with Joe and Louie and really hone on my, my my craft and get better at that. So, still obviously working on it, as you can, if you may have heard. Felice Navidad in Christchurch this morning. <laughs> but no, no, I'm, I'm still working on my craft. I'm loving it. I love getting up in the morning with Joey. Um, we have a great time doing the show. Izzy and Kempi must be having a wonderful time for Christmas as well. So can't wait to go and see the family pretty much. Oh, wonderful. What about your sporting highlight? Oh, sporting highlight. Um, as many of the listeners will know, I'm an absolute UFC munter. Oh, so here the, we go. These make up a few of my highlights of the year. Um Top of that would would have to be Dan Hooker getting back in the win column. Um, he off, he's had a rough couple of years, taken a couple of pretty harsh losses, and for him to get back in the ring and take a massive win like that is so cool for him and to look so dominant doing it and be able to have a call out afterwards. That's really cool. Black Ferns for me, that's sits above everything else. You know, that is absolutely amazing. I feel so... It's not that I didn't enjoy women's rugby before watching the Black Ferns win that World Cup, but I just hadn't watched much of it. Mm. And now it's on the, our TV every single time they'll play without failure. And then the last one, just witnessing that World Cup final, was I thought it was amazing. I, I don't think I'll forget that game for the rest of my life. Some very good Southlanders in that team as well, which must make you proud, the likes of Amy Rule. Yeah, don't worry about it. Me and Amy actually used to go to the gym together down in Southland at the um, at the performance centre, and she would outlift me by about 100 every time. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Amy's a, Amy's a really good... She's a, she's a good maid of mine, actually. Yeah, she's a lovely, lovely lady. Oh, I could absolutely see her outlifting you oh, with the greatest of respect. She would stack me every single time. <laughs> like, it was ridiculous. I'd look like such a wimp. Oh, uh, but you, of course, uh, do have your cycling pedigree. <laughs> so will you be hitting the bike <laughs> no, over summer? absolutely not. I haven't touched my road bike in three or four years, and I don't think that'll change this Christmas. But I might, I might go for a hit of the volleyball with my wee sister. She's getting she's getting pretty good at her volleyball now. She's playing in the Southland team. Good on your Keats. That's awesome. So we'll get our... And hit the ball around, might oh see how I go on the golf front with dad, but my shoulder's still a bit buggered, so I need to get that sorted oh, first. Oh no. You're talking about your body injuries like you're an old man and you were not. Just, shoulder shoulder reconstruction so next next year, Kim. February, oh, really? February next year, full shoulder reconstruction. Oh. How long yeah. is that gonna put you out for? Um I'm in a sling for six weeks, but I think I'll be off work for about four. I'll be back after that. And what happened for you to need one of those? Oh, it's been a mixture of sport, uh, beers. It's been a mixture. Oh, it's, 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 it's been just about everything. It's come out about 12 times now, I think. So it'll be good to finally have it sorted. The last time I did it, I think I, um, what was I doing? I was planning, I was like catching a ball or something and put my arm too far behind my head and it, it ended up coming out, which was no good. 
Oh, yeah. oh, just the way you said that just made me... <laughs> okay, okay. No, that's great. I'm glad I asked. Moving on. But um, heck of a year from you. So well-earned summer break coming up. Hey, and it's great to close it off with you as well, Cam. I think it's oh, the first time working it. together. I know, I know. A week of firsts and for you a week of last. Poor Joey Bell's not getting much of a break, though, so we shouldn't rub it in too much, Joe's probably. a hero. Joe's the true hero of the show. Look, the station has to run somehow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, look, Izzy can be work hard, but are they going to be uh, working on Boxing Day for 13 hours? You know, somebody has, somebody's got to be poor and has to do it, and it's, it's me. Sorry, are you working 13 hours on Boxing Day? Oh, shit. Oh, sorry. I mean, I, I shouldn't have said that. I don't know if it's like illegal or whatever. But yeah, no, I'll be working a lot. I'll be working a lot. <laughs> Just remember, it's time and a half, Joe. It's time yeah, and right. a half. Uh, hey, quick side note. Just a story that's come up on SN's Twitter, actually. Uh, NBA, Phoenix Suns, set to be sold for $4 billion. I assume that is US dollars, so basically double that. What? What an insane amount of money. The Phoenix, yeah. Phoenix Suns? Yeah. Wow. So it was a record amount. Brooklyn Nets previously held the record at $2.35 billion in 2019. They'd sit only behind the sale of the Denver Broncos in the NFL at $4.65 billion as the largest in history. Goodness gracious, some people, too much money, too much money floating around. But hey, if you can earn it, I suppose, hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking to a competitive eater. Because in July, Izzy and Kempe caught up with a competitive eater after her success at the Nathan's famous hot dog eating comp. S-E-N-Z How do you prepare for this? Are you, are you constantly just at home chowing down hot dogs? Or like is there an intermittent fasting that you're doing? Like, What, what is the whole process? Yeah, I mean if, if you're going to eat hot dogs by the dozen um, or you know, compete in other foods about you know, a dozen times a year, you need the other 350 days to be pretty disciplined. So, you know, I, I can't eat like this all the time. I balance everything out with, uh, you know, lots of time in the gym. Uh, but, yeah, so there is a, not so much training, but there's, like, practice that goes into this because you, you need that, that hand-eye-mouth coordination. You need all this to be, you know, solid, you know, fluid movements. Um, you know, almost you need that muscle memory where you could do it, you know, with your eyes closed, which actually I kind of do, I found out. Um, but so what I would do is I'd grab a, another competitive eating friend, line up 10 minutes worth of hot dogs, and really just, you know, mimic contest conditions and practice that way. Um, my, my first hot dog practicing partner was Michelle Lesko, who, uh, you know, gets second place on the women's side, uh, second to me every year. She won the year that I was pregnant and not competing. So we're actually great friends, she and I. Um, now I'm engaged to uh, a fellow competitive eater, Nick Weary. Uh, yeah. We have a son together. He also competes, so he's my practicing partner. And, uh, you know, we, yeah, just once in a while, cook up hot dogs, put them on our front lawn, and uh, really confuse the neighbors. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so interesting, Mickey. Hey, um, you say that in your Twitter bio you're the number one female in Major League Eating. Is Major League Eating, like, is there a circuit you do? Are you on a contract? Do you want a retainer? Like, how does, how does it work? Is this a full-time job? I guess all of the above. Um, it's um, so. I think it's it's a it's a very lucrative living for exactly one person, and that's the champion on the guy side, Joey Chestnut. For me, it's a pretty modest living, but I you know. Because, but thanks to this, I I can just stay at home, and uh, you know, my son's a year a year old. I've been able to stay at home with him the whole time. Um, so yeah, for me, it's it's a modest living. Uh, most other people have uh, you know full time jobs. 
there is a contract. You know, it's not a it's not very very complicated. It's just hmm. you know you know you compete with us. You don't do dumb things. Uh, you know, be safe. You know, code of conduct stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's the professional circuit. On the professional circuit, we have about um, I do about twelve to fifteen events a year, but they have uh, many many more. Look, we understand what goes on before it and during. How do you feel afterwards? And, and is, is it, you know, is it unpleasant? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not pleasant. I mean, I, I don't do this because I feel great afterwards. Mm. And, you know, actually, with that said, when you, when you win a contest, you beat out the field and, you know, you get a little bit of money and you made people smile and it was entertaining. I mean, all that does feel good. So I'll take that back, you know. It, but physically, no, it is, it is uncomfortable. Um, the sodium hits you. I usually like to retreat to a, uh, you know, a cool, quiet um, place where I can just relax. But, um, you know, that's that's after dozens of hot dogs, after we've wrapped, you know, an hour or so of interviews. It's a good sleep. Um, and it's, it's incredibly hot in New York um, outside on the 4th of July. So we have a lot to contend with. But, uh, yeah, afterwards I just, I just want to relax. Hey, Mickey, how did you get into eating hot dogs? Like, when was the... the... When did the penny drop and you thought, I can get through 40 hot dogs? <laughs> so I started by doing um, like, uh, restaurant challenges where, you know, restaurants will offer, you know, say uh, $1,500 for finishing a big bowl of noodles or, you know, $500 for finishing a big pizza. Uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, and if you can't, then you, you pay for the cost of the meal or something like that. It's almost like betting on yourself. Um, so I did a few of those and I found out I kind of had a, a large capacity for food. Um, and I never intended to do head-to-head competitions because just the thought of getting on stage and, and shoving food in my mouth and embarrassing myself and, and you know, I, I was sure that I would lose to all these bigger, you know, men. Um, it, the, the whole idea of that was just terrifying. But uh, eventually I gave in and I actually uh, beat out a field of, uh, I don't know, about 37 people in my first contest. And then after that, it just it just naturally progressed. You know, competing with the pros was kind of just, the next natural step in all of this. Wow. Well, Mickey Sero, she is a champion hot dog, Nathan's hot dog eating <laughs> contest champion. We appreciate you coming on, Izzy and Kempi, for breakfast here down under. S-E-N-Z.